This is former World Wrestling Federation superstar Duke the Dumpster Drosy, and you are listening to BBGWrestling.com. It's time to take out the trash. <laughs> This week on Turnchuckle, I have with me someone who I have always wanted to chat with. He is Typhoon Tugboat, the Shockmaster, the B-A-double-D Big Steel Man. He will be at For the Love of Wrestling in Liverpool on October the 31st and November the 1st. He is the one and only Fred Ottman. How are you doing today, sir? Very, very good, man. Very excited about doing the podcast with you. Well, I really appreciate it. Now... Everyone in the UK, a lot of people will associate UK appearances from you with SummerSlam 92, but that was by far not your first appearance in the UK. Uh, no, we did some stuff as far as uh, coming over before, but uh, definitely one of my fondest memories was doing the uh, pay-per-view there. Yeah, I've wrestled at Royal Albert Hall also, and uh, just very, and you know, in other places over there in Ireland, Scotland, uh, Wales, you know. So uh, I'm, you know, I love it. You know, and I love the people. Unbelievable. I know that you were there in 91 and uh, when Andre was a part of the tour as well. And uh, I know that you, yourself as a, um, as a wrestling collector as well, that you have this amazing European Rampage tour uh, poster that you were given, um, which oh, yeah. has Andre on it and it has The Undertaker on it as well, which, you know, mind-blowing now because you never saw those two advertised together on anything like that. Um so, yeah, so you did the tours in 91, but like you say, uh, SummerSlam 92 was obviously something else, and you were tag team champion at the time as well. And uh, so, I mean, obviously, we have to start there. What was it like, you know, being in a featured match for the tag titles? Um, were you, you know, it, there was a lot going on on the card as well, so was there a lot more pressure? Look, kind of like WrestleMania 8 as well, when you had the tag title match against Money, Inc., there was a lot to compete against, so was there a, a little more pressure on those shows uh, to really stand out? To be honest with you, the uh, the SummerSlam matches in uh, Wembley was almost like a WrestleMania event, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, uh, just, you know, the caliber of, uh, of uh, talent that was on the card, uh, we uh, worked with the Beverly's, which two really, really good guys, great wrestlers. And, uh, uh, you know, but I mean, uh, like with the uh, Road Warriors coming out on the uh, motorcycles, you know, with the Hells Angels and that stuff. And uh, it was just a lot of excitement there. Uh, we broke, uh, I believe, stadium record, too, also uh, after Michael Jackson had broken the stadium record there, I believe. Uh, so, I mean, it was just tremendous. And like the, uh, when we came out, the uh, audience, it was deafening, you know, the, how loud the, uh, the audience was there. And, and, uh, I was just in awe of that on yeah. top of everything else. Absolutely. And, and a lot had changed from WrestleMania to SummerSlam as well, because LOD had to um, drop the tag belts, because I'd, I'd imagine at the time the original plan might have been LOD against Money Inc. for the titles. Um, so was it kind of a, was it dropped on you out of nowhere that you were going to win the tag titles um, from Money, Inc.? Well, no, there's just a lot of craziness going on there as far as in the tag, tag team uh, deal, you know, so... Uh, 
you know, it's one of those deals. We went in and uh, and had the opportunity and took the belts, and it was just a uh, just a tremendous deal. And uh, I wish that uh, in many ways our run there as tag uh, partners was longer. I, you know, uh, Earthquake was my my brother from another mother. I mean, you know, I, I loved him to death. Uh, uh, him and uh, his son John and my son Berkeley, which is my oldest son. Uh, we're very, we're, we're real close. And, uh, uh, you know, I've got, you know, I've had trips to Disney, Disney world with Quake and his family and me with my family. And, uh, it was crazy, you know, back in the day. And, uh, uh, unlike a lot of guys, it's really hard. A lot, there's a lot of tag teams out there, but, uh, in a lot of instances, and, you know, I've tagged with, tagged with different guys over the years. It's like uh, sometimes you're like having to babysit your partner or, you know, you're having to be responsible when you're put into a tag team situation, you know, where you're kind of, uh, I hope that he don't mess up or I hope, you know, he doesn't miss the shot. You know, there's just a lot of things there, you know, and I'm sure that there's many wrestlers that have wrestled in tag teams that can uh, say the same thing, you know, and me and John, uh, we, we, uh, were like family, you know, as far as that goes. Did you guys know each other before the WWF? No, not at all. Not at all, you know. And uh, uh, even when he was when he was working his program with uh, Hulkster, you know, I was like, uh, you know, I really admired, you know, and I uh, had the opportunity to speak to him on, on several occasions about, you know, uh, you know, he wrestled amateur for Canada. You know, he was an alternate on the Olympic team there. He wrestled sumo in Japan, was undefeated, uh, you know, uh, uh, for the short time that he was there doing that. And that's where he broke in with uh, Shoei Baba, you know, in Japan. And, uh, you know, we, got, we, got, we became very, very close. And, you know, I was very interested because, you know, uh, uh, he was a great wrestler, you know, both amateur and professional. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it, now it's kind of um, it's very underrated for how much of an athlete uh, John was. Um, if you didn't see him outside of the WWF WCW runs, of, of which he was incredible, but they don't realize that he was like a, a legitimate uh, athlete as well. And something came up on a, another podcast recently um, yeah. that uh, Bill Watts in like the mid 80s, even before John sort of broke into professional wrestling was talking about him as a sumo and saying that he's someone that you're going to have to look out for in the future. Cause you know, you, when you look like that and you're young and you're athletic and you know, you're going to make a splash, um, in wrestling at some point. So I, I, when, cause you, I, I think people sort of don't realize as well that the, the big steel man, you had a couple of matches in WWF that were dark matches with slick as your manager. Um, yes. uh-huh. so, was that ever going to be a long-term thing or was it just a really a tryout thing? Would like, were you secure knowing that your future was set at that point? No, I, you know, uh, I was there for six or eight months, you know, everything's about marketing and about, uh, Vince always being in control of the gimmicks. You know what I'm saying? As, mm. as far as that goes. Yeah. Cause you uh, did that I, like previously, I, didn't I, you? I'd come from Florida where I'd been wrestling as big steel man. Uh, after I left uh, Tennessee, I went over and after before I went to WWF, uh, I, I uh, went over and worked with Otto Vox over in Germany. 
uh, he was the champion back then. I worked with him for about, I was over there for like 10 days in Graz, Austria. And uh, when I came back is when uh, WCW and WWF both had contacted the office in Tampa. And they brought me, you know, and they talked to me. I came back and wanted to go to uh, start back wrestling in Florida. And they had told me about, you know, both of these people have an interest. You know, I was very nervous, you know. I'd been wrestling several years. But, uh, you know, are you good enough to go up there? I mean, you know, Vince had the best talent from when from the territory days uh, working for him. You know, the champions and the best wrestlers uh, in the world because he had them from over in UK, from Japan. I mean, just, uh, you know, nameless, you know, several com uh, countries and, you know, the best of the best. You know, he had the, the cream of the crop as far as talent goes. It was very, when I got my first dark match in, uh, in um, upstate New York and Niagara Falls is where I went to do my first dark match. And uh, it was very intimidating walking through the curtain uh, into the dressing area and seeing all these great guys. Because, you know, I always tell everybody, you know, when I do signings and stuff like that, uh, I was, you know, since I've been around nine, ten years old, I was a big wrestling fan. Always huge, huge wrestling fan growing up in Miami, Florida. And uh, uh, and being, uh, you know, and then became a wrestler, you know, blessed enough to be a uh, good wrestler, trained by uh, Boris Malenko, Dean Malenko's dad, Dean Joe Malenko's dad. And, uh, uh, and then I'm still a wrestling fan. I still watch all different products from all of the, you know, I'm not like uh, pinned to the TV set, you know. I watched AEW, I watched WWE, I watched, you know, uh, New Japan, I watched several of the companies from abroad, you know, and uh, and I look at uh, video that, you know, YouTube is a, a wonderland for young guys now. And it's a great time in the business, even though with the pandemic and everything like that, it's put a damper on wrestling, you know, as far as live crowds go, because people are realizing, you know, the crowd is, you know, uh, the big part of the picture as far as pro wrestling goes, you know. And uh, that's kind of missing right now, you know. No, it, and uh, it is. It it makes it. Um, I think AEW kind of got it right in terms of having some of the the other talent and some of the trainees or the crew or whatever in the audience to give it some atmosphere. And it seems yeah. like WWE have since decided to do that as well with like safety precautions and everything. Because yeah, you do kind of have to have a crowd. I think it. it it does, in my opinion, because I, I don't watch too much new stuff compared to the older stuff. I watch the older stuff all the time. Um, and it, it kind of, it can be hard to watch, but I think it, from my perspective, I guess, it means you have to maybe work smarter because you kind of, without an atmosphere, it may be easy for the match to become exposed, I guess, um, in terms of like sort of, you know, how uh, moves are done and stuff like that, because if you don't have the crowd to react to them, to take, you know, which amplifies yeah. the impact of the move, I guess, um, you know, it, it could run the risk of falling flat, I guess. Um, well, Hey, it's, it's the same as if you went to go watch a world cup match. Yeah. Okay. And uh, there was no people. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it's like watching kids in a schoolyard kicking a ball around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, that's the, you know, that's the thing, though. They're bringing a lot of sports back now without an audience. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know that people are hungry. You know what I'm saying? Mm. 
But, uh, you know, the fans are just as important, you know, and watching them enjoy and get angry and get happy and, you know, and intermingle with, you know, the wrestling matches. You know, when I was brought into the business, when Malenko trained us, he'd say, you know, you perform and you wrestle as hard as you can, whether you're in front of one person or you're worth the, in front of 100,000 people. You know what I'm saying? You give your best performance and wrestle your heart out, you know, and I, you know, and that's, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, the new generation of people that have come down the line, I don't, you know, training comes out as far as their abilities and that inside the wrestling ring, you know what I'm saying? And what yeah. they're doing in that. And I'm sure it was a huge adjustment for them, you know, uh, with no crowd reaction, you know, it's, it, it's I'm, I'm very difficult for them to to perform, you know, you know, and I and like you say, all sports right now. I'm watching auto racing over here in the states, NASCAR, and uh, with the you know, and it's guys running, you know, it's like, no, you know, racing and, and no fan participation, you know, none <laughs> of those fans in the in, in the stands with their headphones on, so they can listen to the guys in the the pit crews. And what they're talking, they talk them back to the back and forth to the drivers on that. There's none of that interaction. And, you know, I'm sure it's breaking people's hearts, you know, and it's like it's, every sport is going to suffer, you know, from yeah. that. There, there's no doubt in my mind. Going yeah, to an MMA, MMA fight with no, nobody there, you know what I'm saying, beating the crap out of each other. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's universal as far as that goes. It is. I always find, like thought that they should maybe pipe in some crowd, like on a on a sitcom. You know, when they have like the sort of canned laughter and stuff like that, you could have just like canned crowd. <laughs> you know, just you, to... hey, don't you remember? I mean, that was one of the big things that some people, uh, you know, the armchair fans. You know, the, I always call them the uh, armchair quarterbacks over here because of the football terms. But you know, uh, saying uh, the crowd, they'll look at a live t- TV event, you know, and Knowing that TV is taped, you know, it's a, usually a four or five hour show night. You know, you got the uh, dark matches, then you have live feed. And then when the live feed is over, you know, then there's a, usually a match or whatever at the end of the night at the event center. When you go to a TV production, and I'm sure that you've been over there in UK, it's a long night for a, for a wrestling fan. No matter what a great fan you are, it's a long night, it, you know, of watching of- wrestling. We we uh, I went to a um a TV taping for a UK um a company recently and well it was last year now and they said right we're gonna film five hours of TV but we're gonna uh-huh. do the intro every time so it's kind of like you really have oh. to like the enthusiasm you know because when you did like the the superstars and the challenge tapings and stuff would sure. it be a regular occurrence for you to have to go out like three or four times in one night. Oh, yeah, I've wrestled three or four times, yeah. And yeah. I've also seen back in the day when they were taped, okay, just like they're being taped now, uh, maybe a match, you know, wasn't, uh, something was up that messed up a match or Vince thought it was the shits and he <laughs> would, uh, you know, you'd be moved to go at the end because they know people are going to leave during the course of the night. You'll see the audiences, you know, uh, different, different uh, amount of people. At certain times, you know what I'm saying? Some are less, some are more, you know, like we were talking about the uh, reactions, you know, back in the day, there was 
piped in reactions and some of those, you know, maybe, you know, when they went through editing and stuff like that, I'm sure they, you know, well, I'm adding a little more background noise or this or that, you know, and uh, to compensate, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, people get wore out, you know what I'm saying? You're going roots in your ass, you're there five hours. You know on, what I'm saying? On some of those, um, on things like the Saturday Night Main Events and some of the Superstars tables, sure. um, it seemed like they only had two crowd reactions as like a piped in noise, and one of the one of it was just sheer pandemonium, just like, ah, and the other one was like yeah. such heat, but like, there was nothing in between. And um, right. yeah. if you look at the audience, you know they're there. Maybe somebody's yawning. So you know what I'm saying? <laughs> They've been there, you know, about three, four hours, you know, and they're like, holy shit, you know, and uh, and then if you're there with your kids, you know what I'm saying? Kids got a very short attention span. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I'm saying? I interviewed, um, you, you'll know uh, Tom Buchanan, who was the longtime photographer at uh, WWF. I had um, a really yeah. fun, fun chat with him, and he told me some stories about, you know, because you would see it on TV where they would give uh, a kid on the front row the ice cream bar so you could eat it on camera so they could, you know, promote <laughs> the ice cream bar. or They, yeah. they, they had just made it like a Randy Savage uh, poster, but you just turned heel. So no one was buying the poster. So uh, they got someone out to, like, rip it up on a promo. And then the ring announcer was like, <laughs> if you want to rip up your Randy Savage posters on TV, go to the merch stand. <laughs> and then everyone would buy it and then rip it up on camera. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, back then when they're doing live t- live tapings like that, you know, when you're doing a live house show, I mean, any of those things like that, merchandise, man, they were selling more in merchandise than what the cost of the seats. And in these big venues, you see how many people are there. So you can imagine, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, kids go to those shows, you know, they're with their parents, you know, you're spending some sick money, you know, as far as, you know, they oh, want, the- you know... The Cokes, you know, dad's buying beer, you know what I'm saying? The, you know, the ice creams. Oh, I want one, I want one, I want one, I want one, you know what I'm saying? T-shirts, you know, um, the foam Hulk rules fingers, you know, whatever it may be. You know what um, I'm saying? You know, they're selling a ton of stuff. I, I have so much of that stuff. It's unbelievable. And, like, I love seeing when you get um, new figures as well. It's always great to see. Um, that you've yeah. become become a collector as well, and I know that you were um, a comic book fan as well. So, um, yeah. when um, do you remember any kind of process back in the day when you were in the uh, Battle Mania comic that came out in '92? Were you no? Uh, were you contacted for that, or was there any kind of no. it just came out one day? Like not not at all. I mean, it, you know, there was plenty of pictures of us, and you know, the artists. It's all in their back part, and you know, and they're they're going. A lot of the stories in them are from storylines. I think the last one of the Boom comics I was in was, um, uh, I think, 2017 uh, SummerSlam. It's multitude. The cover is there's two there's two variant covers. One's uh, with a uh, God. What's uh, Snoop Dogg's uh, niece? Uh, uh, Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful girl. Uh, one, one a variant co- cover is with her, and then the other variant cover is with uh, Mankind. And um, then the, the regular comic book cover has got uh, me and Quake versus the Bushwhackers. Uh, I know that Sags and, and, and uh, them are in there, uh, but on the cover is um, also is Lex Luger and Yoko, uh, 
Randy Savage and Dusty, and I forget who else. I've got about, I picked up about 15 or 20 of them that I have, and I got three of them signed. Uh, so far, Lex has signed them for me. Um, Luke has signed for me. You know what I'm saying? But they're for my grandkids, you know, that I put back for them. You know, because I get a lot of, my, I have a lot of the guys sign my stuff for my man cave. I have a real big man cave. Matter of fact, they just bought a uh, 40 foot container because me and my wife a year and a half ago purchased a retirement house in, in Tennessee. And uh, I just bought a, when I was there about two and a half, three weeks ago, I purchased one of those big shipping containers like you put on a boat, yeah. 40 foot long. <laughs> Yeah, and I've got I'm I'm uh, filling it up because there was no room in the house for <laughs> the stuff that I have, you know. And I I love to collect figures, and I love to collect, uh, you know, they're my family, you know what I'm saying. And I like to have stuff that was by that. I have some LJN rings. I've been having some of the guys sign for me to hang on the wall. I mean, I've got posters like you were saying before when we did '92 Wembley. Uh, I, uh, Jimmy came running back and, uh, they were doing bootleg posters outside, uh, of Wembley stadium. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, they confiscated them all. They were in a big truck and confiscated them all. But Jimmy got like three or four. He come back and, uh, gave me a couple and, uh, <laughs> I got them, you know, and I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. And really they were better than the poster. I think me, what I thought than uh, what Vince had, you know, so I was like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, this is awesome here. It's got all the guys on it and it had uh, square boxes where you could take and uh, uh, write down who you, like, the, whoever won the matches and stuff, you know, they were all the opponents and everything. So they were really cool. So I got one of them and I had it laminated in Lucite, uh, you know, in clear, heavy, thick plastic. And it's on the wall in the man cave. And I've got me, I've got, uh, when we wrestled at, before the Olympics in um, in Spain, uh, we wrestled there, and uh, it was telecast on uh, Sky TV, and uh, it's written in Spanish. And I have one of those from there that I brought. It's mounted in the house and everything. And I wish I'd gotten more stuff like that. Jimmy is the ultimate ultimate as far as that kind of stuff. He used to get the sheets of card, un uncut sheets when we go to Canada, when they were producing the cards up there and, uh, he had, I mean, baseball, football, that stuff. So, I mean, but wrestling stuff galore, you know, so very, oh, very cool stuff. Yeah. That's the thing. I've got so many questions that I've, I have to ask you, but we'll get, it like at some point we're going to have to do one just on merchandise. Cause there's so much we could talk about the, um, oh, yeah. the, uh, one thing that I do have, uh, and and it's a bootleg thing as well. It's a set of free uh, pin badges from SummerSlam '92 uh, with like Aww. a cartoon drawing on them. One has Warrior, one has Brett, and one has Bulldog. One thing that I did buy uh, though off eBay. We will get back onto your career. <laughs> you oh, know, that's but... okay. No, 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 no. I love it. Don't worry about it. Um, you got to improvise, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is how I managed to have a podcast for free. Yes, <laughs> yeah, just making it up. Yeah. Um, so. Um, Nails uh, has a sh has a store on eBay, and he had the SummerSlam program, uh, which I already have one, but the chance to get a signed one from Nails, who doesn't really do a lot of signings and stuff like that, so I had to buy it. And he had oh, yeah. a, a, a SummerSlam leather bag 
that was given to staff and performers at the show. And it's like, and you must have gotten one of these. It was like a black, like leather hold all bag with the white SummerSlam Wembley Stadium logo on it. Did you get one of those? No, uh-uh. I oh. wish I would have got one of those. Yeah, you need to kick some ass. Like, even Tom Buchanan got one. I don't know why. Someone might have stole yours. <laughs> yes, anything is possible, trust me. <laughs> I like the idea that Nails, the convicted, the, the convict might have stolen yours. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Nails is a good guy, real, real good guy. Do you think he's like a misunderstood? I mean, obviously, because of the story with uh, Vince and everything. Um, do you think he's like just misunderstood and not given a fair fair shake uh, these days? Because he doesn't really do interviews or anything. So you only get one side of the story with someone like that. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I was doing a signing up in New York, and I just uh, – um, uh, the guy that brought me in had been uh, done some stuff with Nails, and he had talked to him on fingers. That's the first time I got to talk to him since I worked with Vince. And before Vince, I worked up in Portland, Oregon, and he was up there with, with me. And, uh, and and like I said, a great guy. He's part of that Minnesota crew up there, Kurt, Kurt Henning and, you know, the Road Warriors and uh, all those guys, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he, he's always been a great guy, you know. But, you know, you never know. I mean, could, there could be a lot of that uh, bitterness, you know, back in the day. You know, who knows, you know. And everybody talks so much smack, you know. Usually a lot of people talk a lot about stuff that they know nothing of or yeah, don't know the situation. You know what I'm saying? I always tell people like, if they want to ask a question, you go to the horse's head, not the horse's ass. You yeah, know what I'm no, I, I the true information. I agree with that, and and with a lot of the because I've had some controversial guests um, in the world of wrestling on on the show, and it's like, as long as they're nice with me, that is my yeah. opinion of them. You know, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to make or cast dispersions and stuff like because there's so much out there and and uh, this podcast is never intended to be you know to dig dirt or anything like that. It's to celebrate yeah. careers and also go off in on tangents talking about action figures and stuff like that. You know, so oh yeah, <laughs> you know, so well, it's, uh, yeah, sorry, go for it. Well, no, it's you know, uh, like they ask me a lot of times. Even John's been after me after me about doing a comic book, and I love it. I promote his books. Because I love the whole concept. I love John Crowler very, very much. He's very talented. Matter of fact, I just got some books, uh, some signed books from him. Uh, uh, he sent me because I just I turned them on to a there was a uh, a uh, collector card plate from back in the day with me and Quake, me headlock and Quake on it. But it was one of the plates. Yeah. And so I told him where it was being sold. There was there was a guy was selling two of them two different plates. And I says, uh, uh, I, and I'm, he's a big collector, you know, and that, you know, and, uh, he's like, um, I go, I told him about it. So he wound up buying one of them and he sent it over to me with some books also that uh, he told me he was going to send me. And, uh, that's why I'm very excited about when you were talking about that encyclopedia, I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, these are all things that are, uh, he also uh, was just in a uh, wrote a story for heavy metal, uh, I think the winter edition, and he sent me a copy of that also, which was one of my favorite books when I was young. I, I'm a big heavy metal fan. I don't know if you've ever read it. No, I uh, haven't. No. Oh, it's it's very very cool, very very cool fantasy art. There's a guy Richard Corbin that uh, did 
back very controversial, you know, uh, kind of over the edge art and uh, the books when they first came out. That's when I was like almost in high school, I guess, mm. high school, college, whatever. And uh, like, like, you know, I have so many. I love toys, not just wrestling toys, but I have a lot of old toys also. And, you know, a lot of different things. Like I'm, I'm a kid. I'll always be a kid to the day I die. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> If the great great grandkids will be getting my stuff and uh, the kids and you know I'm I'm remarried and my wife is someone I knew that was a friend of mine when I was back in wrestling in Tennessee before I I got married to my first wife when I was here in Florida mm-hmm. and anyway uh, between the both of us we have six kids twelve grandkids and five great grandkids. You know wow. what I'm saying? So, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of presents, a lot of Christmas presents to buy. TV, TV was broken. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? But, uh, you know, that's what's going to happen here. Pandemic babies. But, oh, uh, God, yeah. They'll all be called Corona. <laughs> or, or COVID, yeah. you know. Hi, <laughs> yeah. <Bye>, Corona. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, how are you but, how are you, how are you coping? Um, you know, because it's been going on. I mean, America's just watching it on the news uh, at the moment. And and this is going to date the interview horribly in like a year's time when hopefully everything is like good. But at the oh, moment, everything is just going going just as wrong as it can be at the moment. So how are you coping? Yeah. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm all cool. I have lots of guns. First of all, so <laughs> I, I, never, I never fear ignorance. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you come into my house you'll be ha- and you don't belong, you'll be having lead poison. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, um, you know, it, it's cool. I had a gym. Lucky enough for me, I always have gym equipment at my house. So in the backyard, I have what I call it the Paradise Gym. You know, and right now it's about 95, between 95 and 100 degrees here in uh, Tampa Bay. And uh, But I go out there and I train, you know. My, but my gym just opened back up about a week ago. So I'm in heaven now, and then uh, uh, a police a policeman op- owns the gym that I is up in Tennessee where I live. So I have 24 hour access to that. So it's all good. That keeps me mentally where I need to be. And uh, uh, they call me inappropriate Fred because you know I cut up and I do inappropriate stuff, inappropriate humor. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I act a, I, uh, I'm not very appropriate as far you know, I'm a little retarded. So, and I know that's not acceptable to use, but uh, I'm a special, I call myself special Fred because I'm different, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just, but, uh, yeah. I, just saw, I just saw a video uh, that Lanny Poffo uh, posted of you today um, doing an air trumpet. Uh, were you playing? Oh, like, no, trombone, the trombone. The trombone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take, me out to the ball, take me out to the ball game. Yeah, oh, Lanny loves that. Lanny, oh my God! No matter where we're at, you gotta do the trumpet for the trombone for me. Do the trombone, you know, and he'll pull people over. Oh, you gotta hear him. You gotta hear him. You know, so oh, so, you know, I, mean, I have I'm, fun. I'm guessing you've never stopped working out then, because I mean, you're a you're a giant, you know. Um, and oh, I'm slim now compared to what I used to be, but uh, I weigh about uh, I don't know in stone. But about 360 pounds, you know, but I'm I'm a diab- uh, diabetic also, but that's all under control and everything like that. But I train not only meant for me mentally, but physically, you know, I, I'm 65 years old now and I, I want to be mobile and I want to be able 
to play ball and, and uh, mess with the kids and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, try, I try my best to uh, stay as healthy as possible. I mean, hard sometimes, but, you know, one of those deals. And, and like I said, great stress reliever. I don't let, I'm very easygoing. I'm not a mean person because I think mean people suck. Yeah. And uh, I'm very to the straight to the point as far as that goes. And uh, I don't put up with drama. I'm not a drama guy. You know, if you got if you're going to whine and complain and cry and moan, I'm not your guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You and, should be thankful for what you got, you know? On social media, you come across like the happiest guy in the world. So, like, you know, it's, it's always fun to see you uh to see you post as well and um yeah it's it's always fun so in terms of the weight loss as well because when you did the gimmick battle royal at wrestlemania 17 that'll have been yeah. the first time that a, a lot of people will have seen you for like a while and you came back a lot slimmer um so yeah. was there was there a decision to be tugboat instead of typhoon because when um uh, uh, one man gang um he said that the akeem outfit did not fit him anymore that's why he had to yeah. be uh, one man gang for that um so was that was there any thought of being tugboat since earthquake was in the battle royal oh they uh, they, uh, sorry, uh typhoon, sorry how how finkel contacted me he says told me that they wanted me to come to do this gimmick and i said Sure, he said, uh, and but they said they wanted tugboats. I mean, how you know they're calling the shots, they're paying the check. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, I'm uh, whatever you need me to do. I I would have I'd rather have been uh, the tugboat gimmick. You know, plus it's a comedy gimmick. You know, a lot more happy. You know, it's a cross between tug. It's a cross between uh, always when they gave me the gimmick uh, between Popeye and Brutus. You know, what I'm saying all in, rolled into one guy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you have the comedy there and then you have the seriousness, you know, and uh, able to kick ass also. So, you know, uh, and, you know, because you always get those questions. Uh, which gimmick did you like the best? Well, if you ever really got down to it and looked at all the gimmicks I've had through the years, working territories and everything else. I mean, there's a lot of gimmicks and I loved whatever they gave me, even the Shockmaster. Oh, no, everybody's afraid. Oh, uh, it's okay if I ask you questions about that. I says, no, it's great. It's made me a lot of money. I says, you know, uh, between the figures and, and uh, different things, and, you know, and uh, I have the original mask that I take with me to the signings. When I come to England, I'll be bringing it with me. You That's know what I'm saying? So, you know. Superb. That is superb. I mean, um, talk about fo photo opportunities. I go up to people. I says, do you want to wear it? You know, and then you have the ones that are and, and they'll be like, oh, no, no. And I'm like, especially the guys that were like three or four more guys or, or people, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, and I go like, you know, you want to put it on your head, you know, <laughs> you know that you want to wear this. And then their friends would be like, yeah, yeah. And then it'll wind up being all four or five or six of them want to take a picture with it on their head. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it's awesome. I have fun with it. It was only horrible when it happened. And then getting my balls busted by, by the guys who work with me forever. You know what I'm saying? Some of them will see that when I bring it even now, they'll be like rolling their eyes like, oh, my God. You know, I, uh, when I was a mania at WrestleCon in uh, Orlando, uh, what was it, uh, 2018, I think? Yeah. Tw uh, yeah. Uh, I was there, and it was sitting on the table with me, and I'm across from, uh, you know, some – really great old timers well i'm an old timer too now but uh and they're all laughing about it because they're seeing these people wanting to put it on <laughs> or at the very least hold it 
You know what I'm saying? It's like the Holy Grail, I says, of uh, pro wrestling. I says, you, I go, and I'll, I'll make fun of him. I'm like, you laughed at me then, okay? Who's getting to laugh now? You know what I'm saying? But uh, uh, it's, it's incredible. It, Things yeah. like the, the network and uh, the mm-hmm. encyclopedias and, uh, you know, the fact that there were action figures of the Shockmaster. I mean, because Shockmaster had the, the classic superstar figure. Um, then he had uh, his own exclusive figure where you're upside down in the box and everything. It looks incredible. Yeah, um, I, I know a bunch of those. And, the, you know, all the guys that design those figures are wrestling fans. Yeah. They are all, you know, that was the exclusive for uh, – San Diego Comic Con 2017. Yeah, you know and I think it, it it did re- incredibly well as well. Um, oh. you know, because it the, the, it's introduced it to a new, um, you know, generation of fans, but sure. also it for fans of my age who saw it the first time round, it's like it's mind blowing that in like you know 2019 oh. 2020 that you can buy a brand new Shockmaster figure, um, and oh. it looks incredible as well. So, do you have out of the figures of Tugboat Typhoon Shockmaster, do you have one particular favorite figure? Because when John, um, when Earthquake talked about his uh, classic Superstar figure, his first one, he said he didn't like it because it made him really fat. Basically, I don't mean to cut you off. Funny yeah. story about that is he they uh, did his first. OK. Yeah. And then he called me on the phone from Houston, Texas. He goes, Tyfe, Tyfe. He goes, I just wanted to call you and let you know you're going to be getting a figure soon. He goes, I just got mine. He goes, and they gave me Yokozuna's body, you know, and I'm like, I says, please, you know, both of us need Weight Watchers. You kidding me? You worried about that? Just feel how heavy the check will be that you get from the royalties from the, the figure. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I had fun when I caught up with you. He was very upset about that. He goes, they gave me Yoko's body. It was, you know, because they really basically had like, Two or three different type bodies. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, me, uh, Bam Bam, uh, 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 I forgot, uh, all, had- you know, all the guys that were bigger guys, all got yeah. the Yoko body. And, uh, you know, and then the, there was there was like two, three, four different types, I think, of bodies that yeah, they had uh, there, with those figures. There wasn't many. Because the thing is, though, there was a big gap between the first Earthquake figure and the eventual Typhoon figure as well, because I always would have preferred them to be in a double pack together, um, like when and Mattel that, yeah. did, did them as well. But I love how Mattel posed them in the box with you guys holding the tag titles. And the, yeah. the, the Mattel ones look incredible. And I'm sure Fred would have been... Uh, sorry, John would have been really happy with how the Mattel figures are turned. Most yeah. definitely. I mean, I've got all of John's figures also from when he was Quake and that stuff, and I have mine, and uh, I'm, and I have some that I put took out of the box, and then I have off, obviously the ones in the boxes. That plus I have a a ton that I sell to people offline online and stuff. I autograph them and uh, I'll sell them and that stuff. But uh, it's uh, one of those deals. You know, uh, I, I you should be happy with whatever you got. The biggest thing I I was upset about is uh, I was doing a photo shoot in uh, Rhode Island on tugboats when I was tugboat right before they turned me. Mm-hmm. Okay, right before TV. So I was up there, and then I had the opportunity to see the two up 
they were going to do a tugboat figure. Oh, yeah, that's okay. just kind of shown up as well, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was going to and I was like, oh, my God, I was so excited. And then they showed me a T-shirt also that they were, they were going to do. And I actually sent a T-shirt to my house. And uh, it, it disappeared. Who knows where? But anyway, um, uh, I seen that figure. I came home, and I was excited. I had a figure coming out. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. <laughs> so then I went back, flew back out for TV. I got the TV and uh, I got called into a meeting with Vince and, and uh, Pat Patterson and, and a couple other people from, you know, in charge of the, doing the TVs and stuff like that. You know, the writers and that stuff. And they go, uh, you know, Quake has run his, his deal with with uh, Hogan. And they go, what would you how would you feel about getting put together with Earthquake as a tag team? And I'm like. You know, I love Quake, and I love and I thought about all the stuff, how good we could work together, and you know, very similar in the way we move and everything else. And I'm like, oh man, it'd be awesome. We could do stuff like smaller guys do, and being bigger guys. You know what I'm saying? And it would be awesome. You know? Yeah. And so, but I've been in my mind. I'm thinking, there goes the figure. <laughs> there goes the figure. And sure enough, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they put it, put us together and did the, uh, the, uh, turn that I'm still hated for against the Bushwhackers. <laughs> yeah. Max, people still, there's people out there. I hate you because you turned on the Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch and blah, blah, blah. Little do, do they remember them being the most prolific heel team as the, you know, the sheep herders, the bloodiest, nastiest. Heel team, they weren't the nice lick each other's head guys back in the day. You know, Luke is a good friend of mine. He he's over here in uh, by Clearwater Beach, and uh, uh, you know, I cut up about it all the time. I says, "Man, I get all this hate mail <laughs> because <laughs> I turned on you, you asshole." <laughs> you know, and uh, he he just thinks that's funny. Oh my god, he, he's just awesome. There, there was a lot going on at that time as well because that's when um, they were teasing Jimmy Hart possibly managing Andre the Giant and then Earthquake uh -huh. attacked Andre and then it led up to the Garden match at SummerSlam which LOD got involved with and then it kind of, things moved incredibly seamlessly but also quite fast as well because it, there was a definite um, intent for it, when something happened to lead on to the next thing and uh you know, then that led to obviously Rumble '92 when you had the the tag title match, which was I think probably the first match that I ever saw of you on video. Um, yeah. And then I got to see you live in '93 as well. So the um, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but uh, the, we've oh. got a lot of questions from our fans as well. So uh, Kyle uh, Customs asks, um, because I think people don't realize that tugboat. Because you had a, a garden match um, in 89 as Tugboat. And that yeah. was a lot earlier than I think a lot of people realized. Because I think people, you know, know you from, you know, saving Hogan against Earthquake and Dino and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but you wore the uh, the blue and white for a little bit. So how long did you wear that for? And then was the like just a decision that it wasn't working and then you went to the red and white? No, no, no. I, I That was... Pretty basically on me, you know, 
I, I like the blue and white. Matter of fact, I have pictures of the stuff re- wrestling in the blue and white. And uh, uh, that's just, you know, they decided, hey, you know, let's just stick with the one color. But uh, and then the original costumes were three quarter length sleeve also. Yeah. You know, and all that stuff was designed by Vince's costume people. And then I went to the uh, tank tops as opposed to the three quarter sleeves. You know, I says, I got a big pair of arms. I don't want to hide them under the sleeves. Let me. And plus, it's more freedom of movement, less chance of the the uh, gear tearing and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, you got to think about things, too, as far as maintenance and stuff. I was in white pants. Okay. And I'm wrestling 300 <laughs> days minimal a year. Okay. Yeah, well, when we're on the road, so, I mean, my whole career. My whole career, I've never wrestled less than 300. That's like 27 years. Never less than 300 days in a year. Yeah. Matter of fact, I talked to Bill Eady one time. Uh, Bill Eady and uh, Barry Darso worked uh, at Demolition 365 days straight. And they took, went home for one day and then went back on the road for another for 365 days. Good grief. Yeah, that's uh, that's intense, especially with that travel schedule, because it wasn't like you were, you know, one night you'd be in L.A. and then the next night you'd be in like Texas or something like that. It seemed like it was oh. fr- throwing a dart at a, at a dartboard and just, you know, wherever it landed, you were going to be the next night sort of thing. They send you to Hawaii. They send you to Canada. They send you to <laughs> Japan. They send you over to Europe, you know, and, you know, because they were on two to three towns a night back in the day. They had a yeah. big crew and they utilized that crew. You know what I'm saying? Them house shows and stuff like that. You know, then there were spot shows and stuff. So, I mean, you know, they, they, they were, they kept us busy. And, you know, but it was a great time when you're talking about things seeming smooth and there wasn't shit leaking. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's true. A lot of stuff yeah. now, you know, it, it, the, with the internet and everything. But, I mean, even back then, you just had the scandal sheet that came out, you know, uh, at every TV, you know, you wind up and it tells you all the territories all over the world, you know, that uh, what's going on when the angles and stuff like that and everything. OK, but uh, back then there wasn't Hollywood writers. It was wrestlers that were putting help working with Vince, putting angles together and, and uh, storylines together. And, you know, what I'm saying guys that wrestled. Ex wrestlers. I mean, all the wrestling agents. When I was there, Chief J. Strongbow was an agent. Uh, uh, Georgie Animal Steel. Uh, I can go down a whole laundry list of agents that worked with the guys that, you know, pretty basically are babysitters on the road. <laughs> but, uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that and, that you must know, have been back then, that must have been a, a you know, a thankless task to be a, a, an agent in the uh, late eighties, early nineties with some of the wild men that were there. At the oh, time. <laughs> I'm sure we, I'm sure they, they, they ate a lot of aspirin back in the day, <laughs> you know, because they had headaches, you know, and then, uh, you know, they want you to do this. They want you to do that. You know, they'd be on the phone with Vince after the, the matches are over. They're on the phone with Vince in the morning when they're getting ready to travel, you know, they're getting the stooge reports. From the night before, for the morning, going into the next day. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you never know. I mean, you know, uh, Rene Goulet was an agent, you know, uh, just so and, and a lot of good, 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 good wrestlers. You know, uh, Arnold Skoland, 
you know, and uh, if the giant was, you know, and uh, always have cards, you know, guys would be behind the scenes playing cribbage and stuff. Uh, Andre loved to play cribbage, you know, with Arnold Scullin, with a, uh, a couple of different guys, you know what I'm saying, that he would play with, you yeah. know, and uh, uh, it was just a good, the locker room was a pretty good place. A lot of really vicious ribs that were pulled back in the day. <laughs> you know, different guys, you know, you, you would come back and uh, somebody's Halliburton uh, uh, case with their gear would be hanging from a hot water pipe padlock to it, maybe 12, 14 foot in the ceilings. You know, they come Fu back looking for their gear, you know. Did Fuji ever get you? Oh, no, I have much respect for Fuji. You know, better Fuji a friend than an enemy. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 oh, I don't even want to go down that road because I know some really – Hell of a story. Some of the sort of slightly lighthearted ones that he would cut uh, trouser legs or there was a story that he removed someone's entire car engine. Like Fuji would go to lengths, <laughs> like for a good rib, apparently. You mentioned Japan before. Um, yeah. did, did John talk to you about the uh, the thing that happened with Katao, the, the shoot? Oh, yeah, he dumped him over the ring. Yeah. Katao kicked, kicked one of my teeth out in the ring yeah. in Japan. Yeah, he did uh, like a crescent kick or some shit. And uh, I'm like, really? And I spit the tooth out on the – looked him in the eye, the ref's there, and I looked him in the eye, spit the tooth out, of the, and he's like, no, 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 no. You know, that's after Quake had got him, you know? And uh, I caught the heel and busted my tooth off. It's still a missing tooth there to this day. I never got it fixed. You know, I just had it, the rest of it taken out. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a different – I took and gave him a big dump, too, over the top <laughs> to the floor. Oh, you know, I mean, but, when Katao starts, um, starts shooting on, on, uh, on Quake – I mean, I I would not want to be on the other end of the death stare from John Tenter. Like he, his eyes looked like oh. they would stare a, a hole through you, and he looked like he was ready to kill him. Um, yeah, there's only a couple of guys that John ever made John that way with, and I'll keep keep that to my breast to the grave. <laughs> you know, all I can tell you was a bad evening for those people. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. That. You know. Um, Again, jumping around a little bit, but it's, a, it's around this period. Um, sure. Ringside Review um, asks, because this got brought up on the Bruce Pritchard podcast about uh, the possibility of um, Sheik Tugboat. Um, yeah, and he would be the one, he would be, I, he knew more about it than me. I didn't know anything about it until years later. You know, I know that George Steele had talked to me saying uh, when I had left there, because I opened the, uh, two bars in Key West, Florida, and it, uh, my brother-in-law was going to be my partner down there to oversee everything. Uh, he wound up getting shot and killed. So I had to come off the road. I had way too much money th that was in the build-outs and the buildings and stuff like that of these two businesses. And it took me off the road, not where I wanted to be. I wanted to be on the road working while I was making money also, you know, but New business, you have to be there. The eye of the owner fattens the horse. For all you out there that want to open a business, you have to be there for your business. Don't trust it to anybody, family, friends, whatever. You know, but it's that way. And it took me off the road. That's what made me leave WWE. Uh, 
WWF back, you know, and I was like, uh, you know, years after that, you know, uh, George had told, told me we were at a, doing a signing at an independent show in New York, and he had, uh, you know, Vince one had this big thing, blah, 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 you know, and, and well, it is what it is. And, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it, because, uh, you know, then you had, um, you know, that's when they did the swerve with Sergeant, you know, uh, Slaughter, you yeah. know, and yeah. he's is, the one that became part of that deal. It's probably something that you don't want to hear 20 years down the line that you could have main evented at WrestleMania and then for for whatever reason it didn't happen. I mean, did that sort of, did it piss you off or were you just like, no, oh, not, like, not at all. I'm grateful for any part of the business that I've been, you know, been a part of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not an ego guy. You know, I feel very grateful for just being a part of, uh, of the pro wrestling business and working for the companies that I've worked, whether it be, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, territories back in the day you know, before all this stuff, you know, and, you know, both WCW and WWF and WWE. And, you know, so I'm very grateful. Anything that I've gotten from the business, I'm very, very grateful for. And I believe that's the uh, people should leave their, you know, it's a business of, unfortunately, it just like acting or anything else, any kind of sports, there's always egos that come into play. You know what I'm saying? And my mom told me at a very young age, there's going to be people out there if you could buy them for what they were worth and sell them for what they thought they were worth, you'd be a millionaire. <laughs> yep. And it's very, very true, you know, and you got to remember that, you know, and without the fans, you know, I'm most grateful to the, to the wrestling fans because the, the, the fan, it's a great compliment to know that uh, when I've talked to people online or, you know, I meet them in person when we're doing signings and stuff like that, or even at the airport and everything, you know, oh man, I remember you, blah, 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 blah. And I look a whole lot different now, you know, as an old, old bastard, you know, than back in the day. But, you know, you know, they know me and they remember me. And, and I'm like, that's the greatest, you know, thing, you know. And they tell me about uh, a certain match that they saw me do or was part of and, you know, and how good it made them feel. Oh, I was nine years old when I saw you and my dad took me and blah, 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 blah. And that makes me feel so good because knowing that I gave them enjoyment, whether it was me getting my ass kicked or if it was me, you know, coming out there and uh, just having a great wrestling match or being part of a great wrestling event. You know, I, I tell people all the time, not everybody comes to came to the matches to see Ultimate Warrior or, you know, Hulk Hogan or Million Dollar Man. Somebody may came to the matches to see who was on the first or second card yeah. on, a, on, on a wrestling match. Everybody had their favorites. You got fans that love all heels, okay? You got heel fans, and you got babyface fans that love the babyfaces, you know? So it's it's great, you know? Uh, you know, first time, like I told you, when I went to uh, Graz, Austria, uh, I met uh, Giant Haystacks there. What a wonderful guy that guy was. You know what I'm saying? I, You know, and I met a couple of guys from Ireland and, and that, and they were just, you know, it was great. It was my first time in Europe, you know, and... Uh, here I was meeting all these great wrestling stars that I had read about and saw, you know, on TV in the States when they came over. And it was just, you know, like I said, I, I'm a wrestling fan, still a wrestling fan. I love, you know, I love being a part of the business and watching the business and, you know, and watching what the business has to offer and see how it's changed and morphed. Sometimes for the good, 
sometimes maybe not so much. Hmm. And it, does it blow your mind that, you know, every year now you're on the video game, you, there's new trading cards, there's action figures, oh, yeah. et cetera. I mean, it, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, as, as a, a fan of the older stuff myself, like, this is why my collection is just insane at this point because they really jumped on the whole legends thing and uh, started releasing, you know, like say uh, tugboat action, the first ever tugboat action figure. Like, you know, I had to absolutely run out and buy that. Um, I mean, I say, I'd say the first ever tugboat action figure, you were part of the hockey set as well. Um, do you have yep. that? <laughs> yes, I do. I have the hockey set and I have extra hockey players. Okay. Full complete sets of that. And also the micro uh wrestlers yes okay. they made typhoon for that didn't they yeah yes yeah yeah yeah. and i have a complete set of those oh and, do, you have, uh, do you have the ring do you have the royal rumble ring that they came with that's they're selling i don't know how they are over in the uk but they're three four hundred dollars minimal if they you can are find yeah. one. <laughs> if you can find one you know what i'm saying Sometimes you got to take and lick your wounds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they think a lot about that stuff, you know, but people, you know, and then, you know, you're at the mercy of people. They know what they have and, you know, and, and the whole night, you know, it's like, you know, finding different LJNs. I just got a Haku LJN at oh. a, from, an, from an auction. He's not in the package, but he's still worth around $800. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I picked him up for like $300 and he's in perfect, maybe a little scratch on his uh, a little teeny scratch on uh, tape on his ankle. But, uh, you know, and I have a lot of duplicate LJNs that have been beat up. But you know what? That means they've been loved. Okay. They've been loved by kids. This is true. I remember a lot to me. George Animal Steel said once with his LJN, uh, you can tell which ones always lost the matches because the heels were you know, rubbed away, but the ones that were kicking yeah. the ass, it was the toes that were rubbed away because they were, you know, <laughs> the ones doing all the moves and everything. Um, What's funny is when B Malenko broke me in, he goes, you know, telling you, telling me the difference between me and a couple other of my friends, the difference between the heels and the baby face. He goes, well, if you're a heel most of your career, okay, you'll be spending most of your time looking at the lights and the ceiling. He goes, if you're, uh, and your the heels, your boots would be wore out. Just like you said, he goes, if you're a baby face, you, most of your time, your boots, the toes would be wore out from covering people. There you go. See, great minds think alike. I'm going to put myself, yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, so, a couple of questions before we get back to some fan questions. Um, sure. With, with the Shockmaster thing, you never wrestled or uh, tell me if i'm wrong but you never wrestled on tv with the helmet anymore you kind of transitioned into the kind of um you know you had the mustache and you were kind of your face was on tv a lot more what was the decision behind the the change in the the character well the the, the mask that they gave me they gave me probably about 20 minutes 30 minutes before hey you're <laughs> gonna wear this when you go out all it was was to hide my identity because i was still pretty fresh off of uh you know working for WWF and uh, it was to hide my identity. And you know, I busted the wall. There, there was no, they didn't fix or the wall where it busted. I busted like five boards when I busted that wall. And uh, you know, they etched the uh, sheet rock. It's like a, it was built like a wall in your house, like going from the dining room into the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? I made a new doorway. Pretty basically <laughs> it was the deal. You know, and then right below my knees, there was a, a tuba for that ran the length of it because it was, 
about 12 or 14 feet, 12 or 13 feet tall, the set for the, the flare for the goal was. Mm. And so they built a room there, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, and uh, Mike Graham, who was a great wrestler here in Florida and, and uh, for NWA and WCW, okay, was a guy who gave me the cue. He goes, Fred, you're going to have to hit this son of a bitch hard. He says, you know, and I'm like, you know, I was benching over 600 pounds. I'm like, you know, squatting over nine. I'm like, don't worry about it. I can bust it. Don't worry. <laughs> I haven't met a wall yet. I couldn't bust. Well, Lord, I know that it would become a teeter-totter. You know, and whew, I, I busted all right. Double axe handle over my head. I hit it so damn hard that I busted the wall and just literally flipped over the board that was just below my knees. And it wasn't a tripping situation. It was just too much power for the wall and not giving thought, you know, and not being able to see. It was a little, uh, if you're at the signing uh, in UK, you can look at the helmet and put it on. You can't see nothing, <laughs> nothing. It's like point and go, okay, pretty basically the deal. And, I, I, you know, it's funny. And it was horrible when it happened. And I was like, oh, you know, you always want everything to go great. And I always tell people not to make excuses, but I'm like, every great wrestler in this business has had a shockmaster moment at some point in their career. Mm. Even when they were veterans, things don't always go, you know, the way they're supposed to go. And, you know, all I could think about, it was live TV. It wasn't videotaped. It was a live pay-per-view. All I could think of was turning my face, grabbing the helmet and getting up on my feet, you know, cause, and there was no way to microphone that helmet. So, you know, uh, and go through the pantomime of my hands and stuff like I'm talking and let Ole Anderson do the rest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, people you know, forget that it was Ole that did the vote. He did the Black Scorpion as well. And yeah, <laughs> it's, not like I can't, it's not like I can't talk, you know. I am the shock master you know I, you so, know i can talk and walk see when when that happened though and you know you, yeah. you kind of changed the look to wearing the yellow uh sort of pit helmet and um you had the mustache and everything and it was kind of like a kind of a working man gimmick i guess like well, was was the... uncle fred that's why I had the promos there with yeah a young cody and his sister and their friends on the couch I was the stunt, and they go, we're going to, they decided, they didn't know what to do. I wrestled as a shockmaster. I actually had, it was almost supposed to be like a comic book superhero kind of deal. I had a wrestling mask, and a full outfit was uh, gold metallic and blue metallic. It was the super shockmaster deal. And then they go, well, let's take a bit. I guess they, you know, didn't know what they were going to do at that point with that going on. So it turned to Uncle Fred, the stumbling, bumbling, uh, clumsy <laughs> wrestling uncle fred so that's where that morphed into that deal there you know and so the rest is wrestling history <laughs> but you, know? you you weren't there too long as well before going back to wwf in 94 um but it seemed like you came back just as john had who was back for like about three or four months was leaving as well were you there at the same time in 94 and was there any talk no. No, 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 no. What That was the reason they brought me there. I was at my bar in Key West. And uh, they called me back up. And they go, because I left there because of some personal issues with somebody in management uh, with WCW. And uh, uh, 
because I while I was there, I also did Thunder in Paradise with El Gigante. Uh, I did an episode of that, a two uh, a two hour uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, episode of, of Thunder in Paradise. Anyway, called Kismet. That's what it was called. I anyway, remember. I, we, yeah. we got Thunder in Paradise in the UK on ITV, which was kind of like um, everyone has ITV, but not everyone has Sky sort of thing. So everyone got to see yeah. Thunder in Paradise on a Sunday. And I, I remember the Kismet. It was like a, they split it up into two episodes uh, yes. in this country. Yes. They, um, they went to... Was it like the Middle East or something like that? And they were saving some girl from some evil prince or something? And well, um, that, that, That's the whole deal. It was shot at Epcot over in uh, in Orlando. Oh, you're killing, were, you're killing my childhood now. <laughs> you have, yeah. You have to tell me that it was actually in the Middle East that this happened. Do you see well, that? that's the whole deal. We were at the Moroccan. It was filmed at the Moroccan part of the, uh, the uh, Epcot Center. You know, because mm-hmm. the Epcot Center is all all the different countries are represented there, and so they filmed there on on the set there, and uh, I was there for a week in the makeup chair at four in the morning, you know, getting beautified. You know what I'm saying? Because I need the beauty, you know. <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah, we did that, and we were filming at Universal Studios, not Universal or MGM, MGM Studios, I think it was. Um, whichever one Disney owns, that's where they were. I think uh, that's WCW MGM, yeah. MGM. Yeah, yeah, they were filming there, yeah. But anyway, we filmed there, and uh, so for a week, I was there 12, 14 hour days. And we were, you know, because it's all if you ever seen any of that stuff, it's hurry up and wait. They shoot this scene, they do this scene, they do that, you know. So it's one of those deals. So, uh, that's right about the same time. And then uh, we, I had an issue. Uh, it was at the end of the week when I had the issue with them over at the, the wrestling part. And uh, that's when I just, you know, screw this, you know, I, and I left. And uh, I got contacted because uh, they went after Quake. And... Uh, he wound up, he was in the midst of working with uh, Yoko. He was working on a program for that three or four months there with Yoko. Yeah. And so I, they called me to come in and finish Yoko's shot. I mean, uh, quick shots, because he went to WCW, became part of the Dungeon of Doom and that, as the shark. I had a lot of fun joking with him about that gimmick, too. I <laughs> says, oh, you got a Shockmaster gimmick, too. Huh? Did you, you know? get the shark action figure? Oh, uh, the shark? Yes, I do. I got a copy of yeah, I've got one most definitely. You know, <laughs> I got so- like I told you, I have all John's figures. I have uh, coolest thing is um, uh, little Johnny, his son. Well, he's not little; he's a big kid and a wonderful kid. He just got married uh, two years ago. Anyway, uh, he uh, had called me. He says, "I'm going to send you something." I says, "Okay," and. Uh, it's going to come in the mail next week. <clears throat> I told him, uh, okay, so uh, I get a package delivered to me. And I open it up with my wife, Sheila, and she's like, oh, my God. And he had sent me uh, one of his dad's singlets to oh, me. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and uh, he, his mom, Quake's wife, all the 
quick stuff, boots, everything was in storage. She threw it all away. And so John and me have the only singlets in existence. Which one do you have? Is it the Natural Disasters one or is it one of the earlier yes, ones? Yes, it's the red one. It's the red one. I don't oh. know what Johnny has. Mm-hmm. But yeah. You know, and I'm like, I, I was all, thought when it comes, I'm like, I was so happy because I'm, I've been waiting to have one of mine and his uh, put together um, for, uh, I'm, I have it boxed in a, in, in a, in a uh, box frame and they'll go on, on the wall in the man cave, you know, I, and uh, with the figures and stuff. And I even somewhere amongst all the crap that I have that I've collected, they made two extensions for our belts for us with the WWF logos on them. And I still have one of those extensions. Uh, how do you mean extensions? So you could wear them around your waist? Or? Yeah, because we're always carrying them on our shoulder if you've never looked at the stuff in that. Yeah, yeah. Or we're carrying them in our hand. And so they made them so they would fit, you know. And so uh, they made these extensions that snap on to the, the belt. And so I've got, uh, still got one of those that I'll put in the cases with it, you know, and uh, along with, you know, rearranging the figures and stuff and everything uh, for the, for the, for the room, but very, very cool. And I was, I was, had tears in my eyes. I mean, it was just, you know, to have that, have him sent me that. And he's a wonderful guy, really good kid. He would have been a great wrestler. (laughs) No (laughs) doubt. No doubt. Yeah. With um, well, there's a, cl- uh, a question, sorry, from uh, Colossus and uh, Nick, um, yeah. about uh, your sing. Because when you were Typhoon, there was the one singlet. So was there any other designs in mind? Because Earthquake had a couple um, at that point. Um, well, the, the first, the first singlet I have, they made one, and it's all, it's the same as on the Typhoon uh, uh, Hasbro figure, which is all small letters. Because if you look at the figure, me wrestling, it's Typhoon is in big letters on the inside of the uh, the big uh, tornado type storm uh, design. Yeah. Okay. But the original first one is just got the Typhoon and little block letters that go underneath the design. And there's only one of them that was made. And uh, I still have them. And, <laughs> you know, but uh, and I thought it looked cheesy. So I went to the costume designer and uh, they changed the design after I talked to, you know, I'm like, this is, yeah, no. And so it looked more like uh, John's. John's has. uh... Oh, hey, that. Fred, I can't hear, I can't hear you. Sorry. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah. Yeah. It was my wife calling on the other line. I'm on oh. my phone, so I apologize. Oh, it's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll not keep you too much longer. Uh, no, I can no, cut no, this. no, 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 not at all. Um, but uh, uh, John had also one where he put tights on over his uh, costume, also. So it was designed a little bit different. I think that was the in the later deal. He felt more comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, have uh, over tights that went over the went over a regular wrestling deal. Is was that more? Um, <laughs> I don't know how to word but, this. Uh, did people double layer stuff to kind of hide their modesty? I guess. I, 
sometimes sometimes just for comfort i guess <laughs> if your stuff is pulling to the side there you don't want the with the what do you call it uh your uh tally whacker and uh <laughs> you know what i'm saying that gimmick uh popping out you know or one of your uh one of your did, pals down there did it ever the did it, yeah i was gonna say did it ever happen <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know, it's made you feel more comfortable. Me, I think, yeah, yeah. See, and the thing is, as well, when you were talking about tugboat wearing the white, you yeah. hear stories of wrestlers wearing white, and then they have an accident, and then it's like really noticeable. Well, I've but, seen, I've seen more than just an accident. It's not only white, but bright yellow. I, I see the guy. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, always remember, fellows, yellow in the front, brown in the rear. Okay. Uh, somebody was sick in the ring one time and just blew. <laughs> was wearing like uh, the neon yellow tights and it was for a big show. And oh yeah, it was like the it was like the um, the Yokozuna angle. Remember you gave the big ass? Was, yeah. Uh, no, uh, Fatu, the big ass. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And Pat Patterson, where he had the big the big oh. shit stain on the underwear. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, but oh. Uh, that's that's pretend. But this, this uh, there's been a couple of instances like that where guys <laughs> had shite themselves. You know, never Shite. trust the fart. Never trust the fart. <laughs> yeah, and and the first thing that comes to mind is the on the Andre the Giant Bad News Brown in Japan. Um, oh. Yeah, <laughs> no footage has ever shown up of that. But uh, Bad oh. News talked about it one time. But uh, that sounds. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, and Andre, he, he loved you know the fart deal. Uh, I'll tell you an example of me. I was pretty new, and I was with uh, Dusty, and we were riding together in upstate Michigan, and uh, <laughs> we were kind of late, and I was like second or third match on the card. So we get down, and the uh, basement was in the uh, downstairs of a hockey arena, the dressing rooms, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, Andre's there uh, playing cards, you know, playing cribbage, and uh, I'm running over the stairs, I mean, running over the sink, and I'm shaving, you know, shaving around my beard and that stuff, and before I go out, wet my hair and all that stuff. So I'm in the midst of shaving on my neck, and... Andre's sitting in a steel chair, and he lets one rip. <laughs> and I, I kid you not, it sounded like a lion roaring. It made me jump almost as high as the sink was. Because I was concentrating on shaving my neck without cutting myself, and I was in a hurry. And all of a sudden, roar! And I was like, he goes, ho, 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 ho. What happened? What the matter, boss? I scare you. <laughs> but he was funny about, you know, on an airplane. I mean, uh, you know, you know, and Andre was awesome. I, I, you know, awesome guy. If he didn't care for somebody, uh, you would find out it fairly quickly as far as when you work in a ring with him. But just a, a, a better guy, a good guy, you know, and knowing what he, you know, I remember seeing him when he was a thinner giant at my very first wrestling match in Miami beach, Florida, where they used to film the Jackie Gleason show back in the day in the sixties or whatever. But I remember going there with my high school, the guys that wrestled in high school with me, I played football with me and that stuff. 
and uh, we went to my first live match, you know, and I was like, oh, so awesome. You know, I mean, the, the Briscoe brothers, the Funks were there, uh, Andre, uh, I mean, you know, Malenko, I mean, all these guys that I was, oh, it was like I was in heaven, you know, so I could truly, rep, you know, represent myself and feel comfortable with wrestling fans. Because, like I said, I was one and still am a wrestling fan, you know. And uh, I even train here in St. Pete with a couple of really good guys that are currently working on the card, you know. And so it's it's all it's all all good. Matter of fact, uh, Andrew McIntyre, uh, Drew, he uh, I haven't seen him for a while, but I'm sure he's spent most of his time in Orlando. He lives over here by me, and he trains at the gym I train at. Really nice guy, very talented. Very oh yeah. Good. We've got to see him a lot in. Uh, it, we, I'm from Newcastle, England, and um, yeah. you know he, he came to Newcastle quite a lot. But in that period uh, when he wasn't with WWE, the in between period sort of thing. Yeah. When he was really. That's when he let him go. Yeah, yeah. and then he, he sort of. First time. He, he sort of took that shit sandwich basically and uh, turned it yeah. into you know something incredible and um i think he's doing okay for himself <laughs> like at the moment so, you know i just feel i just feel bad for him that it's at this particular time yeah yeah you know what i'm saying uh, you know I, it's got to be really heartening you know and he's such a good guy and such a great talent you know i mean got a great look he's a great heel Oh, my God. You know, he's like a Randy Orton. You know, I love Randy. And I know his dad. And he's such a good heel. You know what I'm saying? So when I see, you know, and I talk, you know, we talk and that back and forth when he was there all the time. And then uh, uh, him and then Ryan from the Ascension, the bigger guy. Yeah. Also, he stays, he lives here and he was trained at the gym there. Another really, really, really good, good guy. Drew really wasn't afraid to be a heel as well because there was a um there was a WWE house show that he was at and yeah. Newcastle you know and England generally take their football really seriously but there's like a, a feud between Newcastle and another team um, oh, yeah. nearby and he comes out and he's like I'm I'm not even kidding. I hate Newcastle. I don't want to be here. Nearly <laughs> caused a riot. <laughs> it's like I'm not I'm not working or anything. I just really hate Newcastle. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean that's old school deal. I mean that's yeah. you know. Oh my God. You know, it's reminiscent of when I worked in the territories. Even you know back in the day. You know it's it's uh, go right for the juggler. You know what I'm saying. You know what the fans here they suck. You know. <laughs> You know how you starve them to death? You uh, put their food stamps underneath their work boots because you know they're never going to get them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, they're, uh, you know uh, there's enough fans here that can get almost a full set of teeth from one person. You know. <laughs> well, that that was a question that was uh, from uh, Colossus Nick as well with regards to not just the natural disasters, but generally in your career. Did you prefer to be a heel over being a face? I like both, you know, whatever you give me. I love being a heel. There's no, you know, and you, be, you can be as nasty as you want to be. At one point, they had it's almost like heel face, you know, when they put the belts on us and stuff like that, when we started working with heels and that stuff, you know. But what's good about in that scenario is like, you know what? I can be a baby face and still be a prick in the ring, you know, and be an <laughs> asshole. 
uh-huh. you know. So never change the way I wrestle. I can beat the shit out of you, and you still, you know, oh, oh you know, and the fans are, you know, oh, you, you got the belts now, oh, you know, you know, unless you're you're beating the crap out of somebody that they really care about, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it was all good, and you know, and being a babyface is good, you know. When I was with Hogan. Probably one of the, be- you know, another one of the highlights of my career, you know, I I, I I was so nervous. I mean, sometimes I'd go out to a match with, with Hulk and I'd have to pee four or five times because I was so nervous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're with the, the legend, the greatest guy in the business. They decided to put this young green guy with the, you know, with, you know, and everybody that Hogan ever did anything with or touched. You know, it was like the Midas touch, you know, the golden touch, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because he was so over, you know what I'm saying? So, How, I, 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 well, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, go sorry. I'm, I'm interrupting you. I should really no, go ahead. No, well, no, no, not at all. Um, how quickly did uh, the Thomas get uh, dropped from your name? Because it did make it onto TV, Tugboat Thomas. No, they just went with the straight Tugboat. It's just like you're going to eat uh, at a restaurant you like. It may be called, uh, uh, you know, uh, Percy's Pizza and Pub, you know, whatever. Uh, and then it comes to the point where you go there so often. Uh, hey, Bob, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to Percy's. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So pretty basic with the tugboat deal. They knew it was Tugboat Thomas. And, uh, you know, but it was stuck. One word, tugboat. They know when they hear the music, they knew I'm coming. <laughs> the music worked really well for you as well because some sure. of the uh, some of the sort of over the top gimmicks at the time had some really unfortunate music <laughs> to come to the ring. Oh. But like, luckily for you, your music had energy to it and uh, it worked really well and always got the fans, um, yeah. always got the fans up. And I, I you know, I loved uh, particularly you know someone like Roddy Piper on commentary who would go wild for tugboat he was he would do an amazing job of uh, putting tugboat over um but he's he's such an incredible guy Roddy was i mean just unbelievable smart could talk was incredible in the ring he was a you could you know what i'm saying he's the kind of guy you go drinking at the bar you get in a bar fight and you got no problem you know what i'm saying i'm like go back to back with him and we'll beat the shit out of these assholes and then go home and <laughs> have a night, you know? Oh, and t- that's, you know, that's the kind of gimmick he was. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I got to see a one man show with uh, Roddy Piper just telling stories. And um, there was someone behind me who heckled him and, oh. but Roddy thought it was me and he gave me the Roddy Piper eyes. And I was like, I, you know, wanted to die right there and then because he thought it was me and I thought I was just going to get, you know, completely, you know, punked out (laughs) by Roddy Piper, but luckily it didn't happen. Uh, But other than that, he was like one of the nicest people... You know, as a fan as well, yeah. and I don't, I don't want to bring this down, but like when you're a fan of that period, and so many names have gone, it just, it, it it's really sad, and you know, I can't imagine yeah. what it's like for you as well with a lot of the names that you, you know, would love to see one more time. Is that why part of the reason why you love doing the conventions because you get to hook up with your old friends and you know, keep oh, in yeah. touch and stuff. Yeah, you know, Hillbilly Jim, and uh, you know, I mean, just all the guys. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I did a sign not too long ago with Barry Horowitz, one of the most underrated guys <laughs> in, uh, around, you know. Yeah. Unbelievable talent. Florida guy as well. Um, so did you and Barry go back 
all all that way back in Florida as well. Oh um, yeah, he's a Malenko guy. He came in. I mean, he he was there before with Dean, and then when it was young. I mean, uh, Dean and Joe and Joe Malenko, they were there when I was getting trained and that stuff. But I mean, Malenko trained some incredible guys. You know, uh, one, two, three kid. You know, uh, X Pac. You know, yeah. he trained. Uh, I mean, he trained. Uh, what do you call it? Um, oh my God. I can go down on like a laundry list of different guys. A guy, Ricky Santana, who became really big over in uh, Puerto Rico and NWA and WCW back in the day and everything like that. Tab, he also tagged with Cuban Assassin. He trained, uh, um, oh my God. Uh, See, it's, know, it's, and, it's always you and, uh, and one, two, three kid that come to mind. And obviously uh, Dean as well. When well, I think of Boris. If you think of the uh, the take the Undertaker's counterpart, okay, that's the mayor of uh, in Tennessee now. Boris he trained. Tra- I did he not trained know him. Wow, that's yes. cool. It, it, it shows yeah, yeah. though how um, how good someone like he was because I mean the, when you you just reel off those names, you none of you guys are alike. You know, when you look at one, no. two, three kid, and you know, and it just shows the versatility of someone like that as a trainer, and how he could, I guess, convey the information. Because you you hear some of the greatest wrestlers in the world, like Ric Flair, probably not the best trainer in the world, because maybe he can't convey the information. And I mean, he trained Stan Lane, but apart from that, there weren't there wasn't a lot. But some of the more understated guys, like Boris, um, and you know, are able to be better teachers, I guess. I mean, that's just from Looking at it like, you know, like Piper, Piper probably may not have been the best trainer in the world because I can imagine his patience would have run thin very quickly. Well, Um, that's that's what I was going to say about Flair, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I don't believe he would have the patience, you know, uh, in between cocktails, uh, you know, to (laughs) to deal with it. I mean, it takes, you know, uh, Malenko was like my second dad. That's Mm. only, and anybody's ever been trained by him. Okay, a friend of mine, Bob Cook, who worked with everybody, and you don't ever hear about him. I mean, uh, he back in the day with NWA, WCW. I mean, he's done some. He did some stuff with In and Out with WWF, and uh, an incredible, incredible. Probably has one of the best punches on anybody uh, that you'll ever, ever see in the ring. One of the best. Okay, look like he knocked son of a bitch out. And uh, Bob is, uh, uh, he's just an incredible guy. And, you know, uh, he worked for, you know, 25, 28 years at least mm. in the business. And like I said, he tra- he wrestled against, you know, Dory, Terry Funk. He's wrestled with the Briscoes. He's wrestled, I mean, a, a ton of different guys, you know. But, I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys out there. And unless somebody, you know, puts it in your ear you know barry horowitz you know like i said before and they don't think about you know i hate the word job guy you know and he, there's a lot of guy. you know if you're not uh, the superstar you consider it a job guy you know those guys out there that can't lace barry horowitz's boots he's a phenomenal technician in the ring and what uh uh malenko would train a lot of guys is them doing uh a lot of guys learned a lot of amateur wrestling along with that 
uh, Malenko's uh, best friend was Carl Gotch, who's a legend in Japan. Yeah. You know, and uh, <laughs> matter of fact, his son Joe used to go to his house every morning at about five in the morning and train there before he went to school every day. Okay. Amateur style and submission wrestling. Matter of fact, you know, every territory back in the day had a great submission wrestler. You know, somebody jumped in that ring, that guy went in there and, you know, maybe snap your ankle, your knee, you know, rip your arm out of the shoulder socket. You know, a lot of things can happen if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time as a spectator. You know, so, I mean, that's what I always admired about uh, people, uh, the wrestlers from Europe that were pro wrestlers. All of them were shooters. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I, always, I talked every once in a while with my friend Marty Jones that wrestled, that's still training guys there in the UK. He's a legend over there. Oh, yeah. You know, but, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, the guys, Skull Murphy and all these different guys. But they all came from amateur backgrounds, and they trained amateur, you know, before. And submission was style wrestling. You know, same guys from Germany and other different parts, you know. Early and on, so, with, with your size and with that training, did you have those kind of matches early on, the sort of, like, very technical matches? Because, I mean, you're, it goes without saying, like, how athletic you are and stuff like that. Like, was it just... Because of your size, it was kind of determined that you were going to wrestle the big man style. Um, over yeah, I mean, it was more stuff. about the, the offices, you know, and some of the people would be like, uh, you know what, uh, you really don't need to do that. They, you know, people won't uh, understand you being able to, you know, then doing uh, escapes and switchbacks and, you know, and crossfit, you know. You don't need to do that. You're a big animal. You know, you do the, you, you just need to do these basic things and stuff, this, this, and this, you know. And there's a lot of stuff that I was capable of doing and I was fast, you know, like, uh, you know, that's, you know, guys like Bam Bam Bigelow shocked people because when, uh, you know, he would work, you know, and he had a good amateur background also. And, you know, he was, you know, he could still do that, you know, the cartwheel. You know, when you think about Bam Bam, that comes to your head, man. You know, he'd come in the ring and part, you know, and do a cartwheel there, you know, and uh, they're like, wow, you know, here's this guy, it's, you know, nearly 400 pounds, and, you know, he, he, look at, he's able to do that, you know, and, uh, you know, and in my mind, I was thinking, instead of what I was supposed to, what they wanted me to do, I was thinking about, you know, what they wouldn't expect me to do, you know, that's why I enjoy tagging with Quake, because we could do, you know, little things here and there, just as like a, oh, wow, did you see that? You know, uh, you know I, I could do standing drop kids, kicks with ease, you know, hitting guys straight in the face, not in the stomach or in their, in their junk, you know. <laughs> like some guys you'll see, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's a, that's a uh, standing drop kick to his crotch. Yeah. <laughs> that's about as wow, high as I did you see that <laughs> I, I can i can get about that high with like a running start i think um <laughs> but like you, you did you did like the sort of the front drop kick where you took the back bump as well but you got up like so high and then earthquake could um do the drop kicks as well i mean one of my favorite things is um a ma the the rumble 92 match where uh animal uh throws a drop kick 
on uh, at Earthquake. So Earthquake's like, okay, I can I can beat you at that. So he does the drop kick as well. But Ando oh, yeah. shuts out the way, and then you know Earthquake misses it. <laughs> oh yeah, tremendous. Stuff. So a, a question from um is right. It's called Shone Cold, not Stone Cold. Um, okay. Okay. Um, and this is because one of my favorite events of all time is Royal Rumble 93, the one that Yokozuna uh, won. Um, yeah. And one of the big things about that Rumble match is that you and John f- started tangling. And I know it was every man for the, for himself and everything, and that was kind of the yeah. idea of the match. But was that kind of the unofficial end of the natural disasters? Because it was never really acknowledged on TV. Because uh, an earthquake wasn't around much longer after that. You were around for like a few more months, but was that kind of like my thinking? Because Earthquake eliminates you, because I think yeah. he's he's the only guy capable of eliminating you. So then it makes Yokozuna look amazing once he eliminates Earthquake. Was that kind of the thinking behind that? I'm sure it was. You know, another guy. That's the office. You know, mm-hmm. so you try to think of the best way to do the elimination and that stuff, and make it believable. You know. That's like every match that the uh, giant was involved in. What are we going to do? So any big giant guy, everybody should attack the big giant guy and let's try and get him out first. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can almost call the shot. (laughs) What's logical? Uh, Let's get rid of the big bastard. You know what I'm saying? And and so with us, I mean, that, that, you know, that seemed the, what they wanted done, that, that was what needed, you know, what the, you know, is to try and do it the best way, you know, and uh, where it'd be, you know, it would either been me and John going after him and then stand off between me and John. But what they wanted was uh, Yoko, you know, so we did what we needed to do. Did, did the, because the split was kind of like, it was underwhelming, really. It wasn't really acknowledged on TV. Is that because John was just no. leaving pretty much straight away? And I mean, obviously you understand what, you know, John has to do what's best for him and everything. But was there a disappointment that it kind of it, it petered out really quickly? And this is right after you had yeah. the tag titles and everything. Was the kind of a a disappointment that, there? And you know, that's when he was going to uh, WCW. Am I correct? No, th- this was '93, so it was even before you went as a uh, Shockmaster. Yeah. Um, oh. So th- I like, don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know the situation why he left. So I couldn't tell you with any accuracy mm-hmm. what the situation was yeah it, it just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere and it was a yeah considering how over you guys were as a team as well and i mean that that rumble when earthquake stares off against yoko it's like it's pop of the night because the crowd are rumbling like they're stamping the feet yeah. and they want to see what happens and oh it was it was yeah. incredible um so a, a few more questions because again i really don't <laughs> i don't know it's okay it's okay um, man don't worry so was there ever any thought, because you turned on the Bushwhackers, but it, and obviously it set up the match against the Bushwhackers, but it seems like it would have made more sense for you to turn on Hogan. And you did eliminate him from the Battle Royal on Saturday night's main event. Or No, so he eliminated you. So that would have kind of made yeah. sense for you to turn on Hogan at that point. So there was never any talk about that? or No, nah, there wasn't any talk about that. You know, all they wanted to do was make the heel turn. You know what I'm saying? And... Mm. Uh, here, me being that big baby face, and those guys being big baby faces, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It it make more sense me going to be a tag team. I would assume, you know, who knows what the thought was given in there, or what, or where, or what, you know? 
you know, maybe they didn't want to put any emphasis on me doing that where I could, uh, uh, you know, I guess they didn't know what they were going to do with, you know, because back in the day, it was all about feeding, you know, that was the thing. They build up big heels, okay, to feed them eventually to uh, Hogan, you know what I'm saying? The new big heels would come in, they build them up, they'd be doing squash matches over and over and over and over you know, uh, with enhancement talent and that stuff and whatever. And then they start feeding them guys that were lower on the card and then working their way up to uh, whatever the angle was going to be with Hogan. You know what I'm saying? That way, you know, you always have, when you have a champion, you got to keep building up fresh meat yeah. for him to eat. You know what I'm saying? To keep him where, you know, and it's good. You know, uh, people, all, you know, that's where that ego thing comes in because there's a lot of people in the business they hated, uh, you know, putting somebody over, you know, Hey, it's part of the job. I don't know if they didn't smarten you up about it. You'd think some guys that were really great champion wrestlers had been in the business their whole life would realize that, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to do the, do the job, you know, you got to put the person over, but you know what I'm saying? It's not that you're losing. It's how you lose, you know, yeah. and what's involved with that, you know, the story that you're telling which a lot of times that's what's missing uh, in some instances from today's business, the storylines, you know, you know, you have to be able to tell a story in a wrestling match, you know, where the people, you know, uh, like it's gotten almost like everybody's emulating what everybody else does, even with independent wrestlers, you know, they want to, you know, whether it be their gimmick looking like somebody else's gimmick, you know what I'm saying? Uh, or, or whatever doing their finish and blah, 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 you know, and uh, they forgetting about, you know, wrestling a match. There's a lot of different, I, I can't, I don't have enough hours in a day to explain <laughs> yeah. what I want to explain to you, but there's a lot of aspects of uh, wrestling a match that you have to convey and you have to put into that match, you know, a lot of thought and, you know, when you're out there, you know, for every hold, there's a thousand and one holds. Like I remember uh, seeing guys when I went first out ever wrestling on an independent show, you know, independent promoter yeah. and being in the locker room and uh, just being a fly on the wall, so to speak. And you listen to the young guys and they're talking over everything that they want to do and everything that, you know. We can do this, you can do that, and everything, blah, 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 blah. And they talk, and they talk the whole night, talking, talking, talking. I'm like, I wish I had a headphones. So I'm not here, you know? But, it, 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 you know, uh, you, when you train, you train, and you know that's where that amateur, like amateur is really cool, because you know what? There's three or four different escapes and aggressive stuff for every hole, every one single hole. You know, that's why Malenko, the man of, uh, Dean, you know, the man of a thousand holes, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? He'd have knockdown, drag out matches with, uh, you know, uh, so many good guys, you know, and he was known for, and with pro wrestling is the same way when you go and you add the other pro wrestling element into the amateur background part of the wrestling business, you know what I'm saying? For every hole, there's two or three holes, you know, so you think on your feet, it should become like walking and talking and chewing gum, natural, smooth. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. There's no, there's no surprise, you know? And, and let me tell you the wrestling business, you're constantly learning. You're watching. I, I used to watch every single match unless I was in the shower or I was getting dressed. I was at the curtain. I wanted to watch every match. Don't matter if I'm watching the same guys in different towns on different nights. I want to watch. I want to watch what they do. I want to watch. I want to listen to the crowd. I want to hear how the crowd reacts. I want to, you know, there's a lot of different things that I would be looking at and watching. And it was education for me also, you know, and then I was lucky enough that from the get go, from the early start, my first territory, guys were willing to help young guys. Some guys, they didn't, you know, give a damn, you know what I'm saying? Pretty much, you know, but that's where that attitude comes in. But, you know, they were uh, willing you know, they'd watch your match or they'd give you some advice or this or that. They knew or if they knew who trained you, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they go, they would make suggestions and stuff like that. It doesn't mean you have to do everything you say that they say. Yeah. But it gives you options and you're learning and a learning curve. A, a once wise, great professional wrestler told me when you learn everything there is in the business, it's time to retire. But I never learned everything there was in the business. <laughs> But, you know, different circumstances. But I was constantly learning. And I would constantly see new things that I hadn't seen or I hadn't paid attention before and noticed. And it would give me extra stuff to try and do, you know. Uh, and when I came home to Florida, I, I would go to uh, one of the wrestling schools and uh, get in the ring and, you know, and uh, roll around with some of the guys, too. I'm, even though in my days off and that stuff, I'd be training in the gym and go by and see the guys in different schools and stuff. And, uh, and I uh, get in there and, uh, we'd roll around, you know, and I could try different things and, uh, let them do, I'd let them do stuff to me. I see, just be gentle. I bruise like a peach, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like but, at what point, at what point did you feel confident being able to call matches and when you started wrestling on the indies post uh, WWF, were you in there with a lot of rookies on the indie scene where you had to call the matches? Uh, sometimes you feel like you should, <laughs> but you, <laughs> yeah. me, I, I was always low man on the totem pole as far as experience goes, you know, and back in the day, even though I was a heel, I, uh, out of respect, I would always, you know, give them, I knew how to wrestle and, you know, from wrestling and you're working with good guys, uh, other than uh, whatever the finish is, you would know, you know, you know what counters and this and that, and it becomes second nature in there. It's like, like I said before, like walking and talking, you know, uh, but with young guys, new guys, you know, and you have to always be leery, you know, because you get in there with the wrong guys. It's like they always warn me in Japan, you know, to kick ass, except for the big guys, you know, Tenru and the, the big guy, upper guys that are, you know, with the promotion. Yeah. You take care of them because they could wrestle, you know, uh, American style, you know, and, and not kill each other. But you give somebody sometimes your body, if they have, they can take advantage of you sometimes in certain cases. They may take that, you know, oh, I got I got him in here, you know, and I'm going to make a name for myself or whatever like that. Yeah, you but know? Who, who could take advantage with someone your size? Like, did someone well, try that? Like, <laughs> There's people who try, you know, but when I was broke <laughs> in the business, it's like 
you uh, if you hurt somebody, yeah, uh, okay, they call it a potato. Okay, if you potato somebody or hurt them, yeah, all right, uh, the first one's on you. Okay, accidents happen. Okay, <laughs> accidents happen. <laughs> but the second one, you're going to get a receipt. Okay, mm-hmm. that means you're going to they're going to let you know you were there. Okay, so whether it be uh, them hooking you and stretching you, you know, and you'll hear that little whisper in your ear, you need to take and loosen up, kid. You know, <laughs> and uh, that should be your eye opener going well, forward from there. Back in the day, I mean, when I first broke into business, because I was very strong, you know, and I could accidentally hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, that happened in a lot of cases, not with me, but I've seen it, you know, in, with certain guys and, and guys that were nice guys, but, you know, they were either clumsy, you know, or, uh, you know, I don't know what was going through, you know, or, you know, just inexperienced, you know. You must have seen the uh, the Vader Stan Hansen match where Stan knocks Vader's eye out of his head. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I had uh, Stan tell me the story one time. Good grief! You I mean, because the, the, you know. the thing is, when Vader talks about because that Japanese audience as well who are so appreciative and react like Vader takes his mask off and the crowd go ooh like it's this huge deal and then they get the close up on the big screen and then you see his eye just swelled shut. Um, yeah. And the crowd go, ooh, again. Well, you'll get a kick out of this. Someone, I'm guessing with the uh, the um, permission of Vader's son, uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse um, made a, a key chain of Vader and the eye pops out of the head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. Because <laughs> wow. Kenny Casanova uh, wrote, uh, co-wrote Vader's biography. And yeah. um, he gave him the idea when Vader inducted uh, Hansen into the Hall of Fame to put some glasses yeah. on the googly eyes that pop out. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You know, and, uh, that, you know, when, uh, Kenny wrote that book, it, it's, he had it for over a year, you know, he was waiting for, uh, it was over a year and, and, and Vader didn't look at it according to what Kenny told me, you know, he's, he's so frustrated, you know, give the approval. He says he hasn't even looked at it yet. You know, he's, Cause he had told me about it when I, I ate with Kenny a couple of times and uh, he's like, you know, so I was glad that it finally got published, you know, mm. very much. So Kenny writes for a lot of different, has wrote books for a lot, several different guys. Oh, Kenny's and, been, um, he's been incredible. He put me in touch with dangerous Danny Davis and, um, yeah. that's you know, another uh, hell of a guy. That's oh, a yeah. of it's there. A, a, a great, really positive uh, biography that he released as well. Just it, he, he um, wants to read it to sort of kids at schools and stuff because it was a, it really is a sort of like, if you work hard, this is what you can get sort of thing, and it's a really yeah. motivational, um, motivational story. Um, so yeah, a couple of questions because um, we'll we'll yeah. go we'll go the two hour Broadway um, here. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. Who mm, yeah, what you gonna do, brother? <laughs> um did you ever, did you ever see flair without his robe <laughs> many occasions i seen uh i was in england when he uh walked the bar with his uh junk in in, in a flower pot you know or the tip, tip jar from behind the bar out to the pool yeah he came actually came out of the elevator with his robe on 
and boots, and that's it. Into oh, the lobby. Straight to the bar. That, did you feel that on the European tour? Because, I mean, I've heard some wild stories on these European tours. Um, did you feel that it was just kind of open season to do what you want? Because weed was legal. You know, <laughs> there was the, uh, the ability to do a lot of different things. I mean, there's the story... Um, well, Percy Pringle tells the story about Harvey Whippleman where he kind of, um, they're going, um, I think they're in Holland or something, and uh, they're in the red light district, and um, yeah. Harvey's checking out the, the peep shows and everything, and Harvey falls in love with this woman who turns out not to be a woman, <laughs> and um, <laughs> gets mercilessly ribbed because of it, you know? <laughs> I'm sure oh you, pro- you probably can't legally tell me some of the things that happened. Oh, I've been to a few, uh, I've seen a few things in my life. Well, you know, like almost a, a third of the crew got lost after 92's uh, Wembley show. You know, we were supposed to come straight back to America, so some guys didn't show up for TV. <laughs> we went back to America. I think they got lost in Holland is what I, what the deal was. And there were several guys. Uh, they'll go unnamed, but uh, to protect the innocent, well, not so much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there was a few that got lost. And Vince was hot about that deal. They finally got him back home, but he had to do a lot of revamping for, uh, you know, for the TV. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of that craziness back in the day. I, I'm, there was a story about a, a, a tag team in, on, the European, on the European Rampage Tour. I forgot which one it was. And um, there was a, uh, they were in Germ- going uh, on some shows in, in Germany. And uh, they, they did a show, and then they had to drive to uh, – Berlin to the hotel and uh, the European representative, the German representative for uh, the tour over there they was handling everything between the offices, he, you know, like the babysitter. Yeah. He was uh, on there and all the boys were drinking and he was uh, into that big, you know, oh, you Americans, us Germans, we, you don't, you can't drink and hang with us and blah, 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 blah. And they were with, with a bunch of the wrong <laughs> guys on there, you know. And uh, he wound up having too much to drink and passing out. And uh, somehow his pants got shredded. And uh, somebody <laughs> took a razor blade and shredded them all the way up to his junk. And then they got big magic markers, the permanent kind, uh-huh. <laughs> and wrote uh, like Heil Hitler and Nazi oh. and all that stuff. And then they painted his junk oh. with the uh, it, it, the boys and the and the wedding tackle there with the uh, uh, black permanent marker. And uh, so they arrived at the hotel at about seven in the morning. Right when everybody's coming down to ch- to to uh, check out, and I'm sure that he took some special vitamins were given to him also. Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> he wakes up and not hardly knowing where he's at and staggering all over, not realizing you know his pants are all in in, in shredded pieces, you know, and he's walking you know, and his gimmick is swinging here and there. And he's got all this stuff. His, his face is painted up. His body is painted up. Okay, with all kind of, you know, swastikas and the whole nine yards. And, uh, oh, my God. He walked into the lobby like that, you know, because he was out of it. You know, he's still screwed up, you know, oh. between the alcohol and whatever else. Oh, man. 
That is intense. He had a phone call back and to Vince over and all. Oh, yeah, all oh, it was. TV was <laughs> after they came back for TV. It was just brutal. Yeah, that's all. I, I won't say who was involved, but it was some seriously funny stuff. You know, uh, what, not what, good for him or a good represent, representation of the guys. No. Um, <laughs> well, were you in the UK? Um, I might be confusing timelines here, but it was around this time when uh, the Sid on Anderson. Because were you in WCW at that point when uh, Sid? No, no, no. You weren't. No, 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 no. no. But I'm guessing it was like just locker room. T- like talk at that point because um, it's insane because yeah. that made like british newspapers at that time because it was such a a crazy story and it's one of those things like i, I interviewed sid um last year and i was like i won't bring this up because i'm sure he said like he's been asked about it like a million times at this point but yeah uh, yeah um okay so tweet uh, wrestling uh, asks um hey, tell me tell me what, what was he asked about tell me tell me tell me what about was that? what what was he asked about he said oh, sid Oh, well, right, okay, when I interviewed Sid, I was like, right, I don't want to ask the obvious questions, and the obvious questions in my mind were him breaking his leg, um, him allegedly shitting his pants at WrestleMania against The Undertaker, um, Uh Um, the Arn Anderson scissors, um, the the promo where he messes it up on live pay-per-view, and um, there was something I was like, I'm not going to bring these up because I, I try to at least ask original questions if I yeah. can. <laughs> but whether whether I do or not is up to the individual wrestler, you know. Um, oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I just like to say, I, 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 I get that, you know, I feel lucky that I've been able to interview so many incredible names who are like, heroes of my youth and I have all the merchandise and everything and I, you know, you guys have been my childhood and beyond and you know i don't want to disrespect any of you guys with any questions or you know um i can't hurt my feelings hey i tell everybody you can't hurt my feelings because i don't have any left i said they've all been kicked just like brain cells i've got only like one or two brain cells left it's like a maraca in my head when i shake my head no or yes you hear that rattling i said because all the rest of the brain cells are gone you know (laughs) Well, yeah. that, that's a serious. I mean, did, when was your last match, and um, was it an injury-related thing, or was it just time to sort of? Um, no, I've day? had plenty. Uh, uh, I've had plenty. Of, I, I, you know, I'm certified. I, uh, I'm certified to teach first aid, CPR training, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've uh, I've been working since uh, working job jobs since I'm 11 years old. I come from a lower middle class family. And I worked from a young time. If I wanted something, I worked. And, uh, you know, I at one point for five, six years when I was going to school and college, and that's I worked uh, for Eastern Airlines, which is an old airline from back in the day, and uh, as a mechanic at, <laughs> at a high school and uh, work on jet planes. And um, uh, anyway, uh, I, there's just, you know, I've had so many injuries. I've probably had... Uh, Oh well, well uh, over a hundred concussions in my in, in my my career. Well over a hundred concussions. Does it worry? Does it worry? Does, uh, does, wor- does it worry you as you get older? Or I'm, you gonna, just- I'm gonna I'm gonna donate my brain to science fiction, okay? Because that's about how bad it is. <laughs> I have uh, short term memory is horrible. My short term memory is horrible. Uh, Long term is pretty good, uh, but you know. 
it is what, you know, like I said, my body, you know, I've had, uh, my nose has been broken four or five times. I've had three fingers broken on one hand, two fingers broken on the other. Both thumbs have been broken. Uh, both shoulders ripped out and dislocated. Oh. Uh, completely severed right quadricep and quadricep tendon where it attaches to the knee. All that severed and reattached. And have holes drilled lengthwise for my uh, hand. Uh, my ACL and my left leg uh, it was uh, split in two. Uh, my Achilles uh, tendon... Uh, where it attaches the the calf attaches to the ankle was completely uh, ripped in half, and uh, they sewed it back together. It was it looked like the thing the fingers on a mop, you know, dangling inside uh -huh. my leg. Um, perforated eardrum on my right ear, uh, cracked orbit on my eye. Oh. The eye sits in there. Um, I have over 160 stitches in my head through my career. Um, uh, four teeth kicked out at different times in my career. One of them with by uh, Katal. Um, right. Yeah. Oh man. Um, it feels like you else? never took time off though. Like you were never off for injury or anything like that. So did you just wrestle through all of that? I worked. Uh, um, like my knee and that stuff. That was uh, further uh, at, at toward the end of my career. Right. And uh, I just went said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do this. And, uh, you know, thank God the, the, the good Lord has given me lots of skills. That's why I worked all my life. So my dad always told me that the more not that you have knowledge-wise never will limit you from making money and supporting your family. And so that kind of always, if I wanted something, I worked for it. And that I means that's the way I was trained you know from a young age by by my parents who were good par you know good parents my uh my father he's his mom is from budapest hungary and my and uh his father was from uh austria you know so i have a good mix in there and my mom's german and irish and uh english you know and her her family's background you know and uh continued the, like the same thing you know as far as uh, with me and my wife and our kids and stuff like that but i was from a young age you know the more skills i was always hungry like a sponge wanting to learn more and more and more because you know it uh coming from my background you know i, I wanted to have a good education and i you know wanted to have skills that i could use that way i'll never i would never be put into a situation where what do I do from here? You know, if there's no wrestling anymore, what do I do? What do I do? And then with that, you know, there's a lot of guys that were wrestlers. And, you know, it was always, Malenko always taught us, save your money, kid. Save your money, kid. But they don't tell you about divorce, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I joke about it now. You know, I'm blessed with a wonderful wife that I'm married to. My uh, three children's mom was good, but not good to me. But <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> that's another horror movie. But um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a um, you know that's the same thing. I preach. My oldest one, he works for WWE now. You know, he does. Uh, he's a referee, and but he does television production because that's what I put into his brain. He always wanted to be a part of the business. His mother hated it. Mm. You know, but now she's been uh, what do you call it? Uh, she's been licking the benefits because my oh. son has done very, very, very well. 
uh-huh. you know, and uh, thank God. I, I pray for him every day, and I hope he saves, and I hope he is saved, you know, but you got to think about, you know, once you leave the business, you have to be able to adjust, whether it be getting a regular straight job, you know, and doing something, or hopefully you saved enough money, but you never can be secure enough. You know what I'm saying? Because things could happen. Look at the pandemic here. You know, so many people lived from paycheck to paycheck and they didn't save, you know, and uh, I've learned a lot of costly lessons in my lifetime, you know, but uh, and uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's wonderful you know, that like sort of in would you consider yourself retired at this point, like just generally retired or I'm just retarded. No, but I, I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I would never yeah. say that. <laughs> you are than me, so I'm not going <laughs> to. That's okay. I'm old and confused. But no, uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, retired from active wrestling, yes. 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 Uh, but, you know, and I have people go, oh, you should be back. I says, obviously, you don't know how you haven't seen current pictures of me. I <laughs> know how old I am. I feel that if you cannot give, uh, have a look and be able to perform like you have performed when you were at your peak and your hottest, then maybe it's time for you not to work in front of a crowd and be embarrassed. And I mean, there's a lot of people that want to see legends perform and wrestle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you have to know your limitations. You have to know when to fold them and when to hang it, hang up your trunks and your boots, put the boots away. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, it has, it's, I, it's been wonderful to see you in different aspects. Like, because my my favorite wrestler of all time is Christian, and to see you on the ENC show on the oh, network was so guy. so much fun. I mean, I had it, fun doing it. Yeah, I had fun doing it. They called me. We want to do this. You're gonna do what? <laughs> and <laughs> they were more shocked because when I went to the office to do the filming up in Connecticut, when they brought me up there, they they uh. I had made a helmet, you know, and I'm like, well, I have the original. You what? <laughs> and man, they came, they came from near and far to see the helmet, to hold the helmet and that stuff, you know, and we had fun with it. They were two very, very good guys, very professional, very, very smart yeah. guys. And uh, it was a weird, awkward show that they were doing. And, you know, but it, very entertaining. And, and we had fun doing it, you know. And so it was very, very cool, you know. It's, and it was I, so I, I, Sorry. No, no. It's so off the wall, and there's lots of like lo- lots of insider terms, but stuff for like nerdy fans as well. It's not trying to be too smarky, I guess. It's more for the nerds. Yeah. <laughs> like it really is. Yeah. Like sort of lots of really nerdy, like uh, obscure references and stuff like that. And uh, you know, they, you can tell that they have their finger on the pulse of a type of wrestling fan that really appreciates um you know the 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 older stuff and um you know yeah a lot of the fun colorful characters um so yeah we're, we're gonna wrap it up with just a few questions um from hey, uh, I, want, I, want, I want to throw in there yeah they need to bring back legends house okay they need to bring a, another legends house <laughs> would you do okay? it because I, I love it oh yeah i would do it it's fun <laughs> it, it was in it it some of the things, like, you know, the strip tease and all that kind of thing. It's just yes. like, <laughs> I wasn't sure what to expect from this. Because, like, when I first sure. heard about it, because it was a little while before 
they eventually put it on the network because I think they had other plans for it because they filmed it like a few years before. Um, sure. I, I thought it was going to be like a Big Brother situation where they just literally lock them in the house for six weeks with like alcohol and just like watch carnage ensue and hear all these stories and everything. But it was kind of um, more lighthearted. I think it probably had to be because... Um, you know, I think it would have been um, a pretty serious show if they were locked in the house for like six weeks. And Piper would have went nuts, I think. It was much more entertaining the way it was done. It was, you know, yeah. You know, Jimmy Hart and Pat Patterson giving out cheesecake to the neighbors. You know, <laughs> I mean, just off the wall, you know, uh, Tony Atlas getting on uh, Hacksaw's nerves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> them losing their mind about each other. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, you know, like you said, Roddy Piper and that. And Jimmy, you know, I mean, it was just... Very good chemistry, you know, very, very good chemistry. Yeah, and you really have to go into it. I think you have to go into something like that, you know, with that kind of attitude. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, Tweet Wrestling okay. uh, asks, um, were there any um, – did John talk to you about when he – like at the time about the Golga character? Like did he enjoy doing it? Or And was there any talk at the time of maybe reuniting the natural disasters in the WWF since John was there? Now, there was no talk uh, about the reunion of natural disasters. I would have liked to, uh, you know, did, did the thing also. But, um, you know, I, there was we were both going in so many different – and then, you know, uh, John had started getting ill, you know, he had the cancer, and then he, it went away. Yeah. And then it was at the end there, you know, that I got, he gave me a call from Houston telling me that it was back right before his uh, son's wedding over in Orlando. But, uh, uh, and, and the Golga thing, he never really uh, uh, gave me much on that deal, you know what I'm saying? I, when I found out about it, it was long after that, I'm like, Oh my God, with the Cartman doll. And I was like, oh my goodness. And matter of fact, I met uh, a, a couple of times um, after Quake died, I met, uh, oh my God, what's the, uh, Kurgan. And what a nice yes. guy. What a very, 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 and, and been very successful movie wise. You know, yeah, he really so has. many movies. You know, so, you know, we talked about John. I said, you know, uh, when I talked to John, uh, he really had uh, thought very highly of you. He thought you were a really good guy because I'd, I'd never met him before. And I met him at a signing in New York and he goes, really, really? I go, yeah. I says, you know, yeah, uh, thought you were a really good guy. He had told me about you. It's, it's really said, weird. The, yeah. the, the oddities um, thing by just chance involved a lot of canadians um so like luna was in there you know kurgan yeah um you know um obviously john and uh, early on uh, don Callis is the jackal and um, it, it gets kind of panned now but and i don't know if you ever saw it but the very first oddities before they became the sort of dancing fool oddities with the cartman doll and everything they were kind of like this yeah. freak show circus kind of that's the way um, it should have i think that's the way it should have been yeah. You know, they had ICP. Was it members of that too? Yeah. In St. Well, Posse. Did you ever see the very first appearance, though, when they came out with some of the Howard Stern characters, uh, like Crackhead Bob and Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf? And, like, no, I were... uh, never had a chance to see him. Oh, I've got you've, I'll, I'll have to pull it up. I'll give you the date of it on the network. It's so, it's such car crash television, but the most fun 
kind of I, it, it, it gets shit on <laughs> like a lot now, but I think it's just it, that would be great it, entertainment. I'm gonna tell you what. I mean, it had it had such it, potential. I think because the, the original Golga, because he wore the mask with all the lumps in it, so he was like this kind of something had happened, like an industrial accident or something, you like, know, which is why like, he had to like, like the elephant man. <laughs> yeah. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, oh, you would get such a kick out of uh, the the Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf, and uh, wow. you know. But I mean, these were people with like real crack addiction problems and stuff that they brought out on television. So it was just like, oh my god, like, I don't know what John oh, yeah. was thinking at this point. But um, it was um, it was unique, and they didn't go for it long until they brought in the ICP, and uh, the oddities got over. I mean, you know. Yeah. They, um, they had the crowd waving every, you know, every time, and uh, it was it was great stuff. So, yes, on that note, because we've went the two hour Broadway, and we could talk right. so much longer. Um, well, just uh, have me on anytime you want, okay? If you if you get bored, you can call, call me up. <laughs> and we talk talk different crap. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, <laughs> I I really appreciate because like I'm. I've, it's one of those things that sort of like as time has went on and I've been lucky enough to get different names on the podcast, I think there's sure. like a, a an element of trust that has to be built because there are so yeah. many podcasts out there and, and I'm sure you get asked to do every podcast under the sun. Um, so having John Crowther's recommendation, I'm hoping kind of helped. Oh, that was that know. was a deal closer. He's always, he says, I got this nice guy. He says, uh, I just did a, a, a show with him over in the UK. I says, awesome. I says, uh, let him know. And I got the message from you right shortly after that. Yeah, I was John, having a busy day. Yeah. John joked that he, uh, he's, he John joked with me that he uh, told you that I was an asshole, but I knew wrestling. So <laughs> that was kind of, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just John humor. That's how he is. Oh uh, yeah. You should see, we send stuff to each other on the messenger all the time. I mean, I, I get some funny, bizarre and uh, horrific stuff. <laughs> and you know, he'll send me the, funny uh you know uh, gifts back and stuff like that and i'll send them other weird gifts back and uh, we just have fun man you know because i'm like i said you know i'm inappropriate he goes is inappropriate Fred gonna come because i've done a couple of signings with him also uh -huh. you know and I'm, i am I want to wind up doing something with him uh, uh i'm looking forward to uh, him telling me about this thing with uh Luke and, and Butch, the yes, book you're trying to do for them. We've got to say that as well, that uh, John is co-writing uh, uh, the Bushwhackers autobiography, So and you're getting involved in that a little bit as well, aren't you? So. Yeah, I'd be happy with you know, anything involved with that, especially with, with, with those guys. And uh, But I love working with John. He He's just awesome. He's keep trying me. I said, maybe it needs to be a shock match. I don't know the WWE will give us permission. <laughs> you know? I said, maybe we can do a, an offshoot, like a, some kind of weird stuff, but involve it. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I really want to do some coloring books. That <laughs> have you seen? Because um, Kenny did um, Jack in the Cactus Jack in the Beanstalk, the yeah. coloring book, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Uh, Demolition in Space, which is the new one, which just sounds incredible. It's Demolition, literally in space, fighting alien zombies, and <laughs> it's just. Oh yeah, I, I, I really, I, you know, I paint, I draw, and that's why uh, I'm a bit more than reading comic books. I'm into comic book art. I have a ton of signed comic artist art that I don't even know if I'll ever be able to put it all up. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, I, a lot from, uh, yes, I have signed Stan Lee stuff. Oh. I have signed stuff from, uh, 
different uh, stars and, you know, photo stuff and everything that I've taken through the years that to the few comic cons that I had a chance to go to. Uh, uh, matter of fact, one of the uh, coolest things when I went to, uh, I was in Swindon in England mm-hmm. and uh, went to Swindon con with uh, Luke and, uh, and uh, who was Luke and Brutus. Tatanka? And, uh, no, Davy Boy uh, Jr. was there with me. Uh, there was several of us there. And anyway, I met the beast from the game show in England. Mm. You ever oh, seen that show? Oh yeah. No, I love the chase. Yeah. Um, they, got, they got the black, the black coast and the, and the other big guy, uh, yeah, Mark I forgot his name now. Mark nice. Oh, both of them. Oh my God. We were howling. He come <laughs> over. He goes, I'm a big fan. I'm like, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I said, I've seen your show in, in, in America. I love it. I says, oh, my God, on the BBC network. He says, oh, are you kidding me? I says, no. And he's smart. He's funny. Oh, my God. I mean, I met so many stars at that show, but uh, that was like a highlight for me. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm meeting you over here. He was great. And and the thing is as well, like sort of um, just wrapping up the, the love of wrestling in October, hopefully – I would imagine, hopefully, it is still going ahead. I don't know how they're going to do it with social distancing and everything, but um, you know, it, uh, it's scheduled for October the thirty-first, November the first. Though Halloween, so there'll be a lot of cosplay. Um, oh, I would love it! And they got so many wrestling cosplayers in the UK. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. unbelievable! Jimmy Hart yeah. uh, judged the cosplay competition last year, um, and there was a guy in like the full green sequin Ted DiBiase suit and. Uh, oh. Yeah, it was it was so much fun, and, and I mean, we are lucky enough at, um, to be the official podcast for for the love of wrestling as well. So that's how uh, we interviewed uh, the genius uh, Lanny Poffo, and um, uh-huh. you know, so it it's really cool that um, that the the guys that for the love of wrestling have that confidence in us to be able to you know hopefully provide entertaining yeah. podcasts as well, and um, you know, uh, we. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you in October. Oh. I, I have so much shit I want you to sign. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm one. I'm a, I'm a, a friend of mine. Uh, his last name is Perkins. He's an artist. Oh. And he does some outstanding work. He, uh, he was supposed to be, a, be there. I'm hoping he still can be there. And uh, he, I mean, just some really crazy. Matter of fact, the, uh, a couple of t-shirts that's on pro wrestling tees that, in my store there, uh, he designed for me. I mean, you know, the, the he, he's got a shock master co- coming through the wall. He's got, you know what I'm saying? Me and Quake with Jimmy Hart. And he has a very cool, uh, a comic book style. Uh, I, love you the, know. I love the Typhoon t-shirt as well with the wave on it as well. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, I love it when any shirts are done like that. That there's a brown Kamala T-shirt with the moon and the stars on the belly and everything as well. And um, yeah, um, so you have you have shirts on pro wrestling tees. Everyone needs to check out what you have. And um, at this time, I mean, during the pandemic and everything, when conventions aren't happening and stuff like that, you know, support wrestlers. Um, you know, because uh. That you guys have provided us with a lot of entertainment through the years as well. So, you know, um, 
and it's uh, some of the designs are incredible as well. Um, oh, it's and, tremendous! Yeah. And and you're very uh, friendly and interactive with fans on social media as well. Um, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about anyone who's messaged you because like I've I've messaged a few wrestlers and I've been talking, <laughs> fuck, fuck off, you know. <laughs> you know? Oh, um, oh, yeah. oh, definitely, yeah, you'll hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll not mention any names, but the, the thing is as well, like hosting a podcast. <laughs> Well, hosting a podcast and trying to get wrestlers on the podcast as well, you get a, a variety of very interesting responses. <laughs> so you know, um, in some in some cases, it's not it's it's not the wrestlers, but the wrestlers' wives that that are the nasty ones. <laughs> yes, That's all I'll say, and I'll not say any names. Okay. <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, no, same here as well. I'll not mention any names, but um, yeah. So yes. you um constantly update uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook with uh, really fun posts of um y- your video updates and um showing off memorable pieces of memorabilia in your collection and um and it, so you are just Fred Ottman on Facebook and um you'll see a picture of me and my wife. Uh, on my wedding day, and that's how you know it's really me. Yes. Okay, so yes, yes. Wonderful. Yes. Um. So before before we go, is there anything you would like to say to to your fans? No, I said God bless you all. I and, and uh, like I said before, I mean, you guys. It's not the wrestler that makes the fan. It's the fan that makes the wrestler. And and I am so grateful uh, for all of you out there that have enjoyed what I've done for so many years. And uh, the promoters hate me because I take a lot of time and talk with people and I answer questions, <laughs> but that's just me. You know what I'm saying? I, I, the, you know, I, I, I'm not a sign it, not look up, don't shake your hand kind of guy. I'm, I, you know, I'm a personable person. And, uh, and I really appreciate it. And I'm glad I got a few questions. Hopefully uh, you'll have me on your show in the future some more. And uh you can talk about different stuff. Talk about toys. You can talk about anything you want to talk about. We can stuff talk about what's going on. Yeah, I know? will talk about toys and merchandise until the the cows come home. You know, um, yeah, we'll definitely have to do that. And I'm I'm very very appreciative that you've spent. Um, oh yeah. We've went over the time limit. You know, the fans have went home by this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to edit. I don't edit. You see, um, so, hey, you I'm, know. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that boring, boring. <laughs> you know, the audience. <laughs> oh, if, if, if it is, it'll be entirely because of me, not you. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> no, not so, at all. Um, so yes, Fred, thank you very much, um, and we shall talk very soon. Oh, excellent, man. I really appreciate it. And thank you for everything. And God bless you all. And uh, have a great day. <laughs>